Welcome to Dual Win Games, episode 24. Today on Table Talk, we discuss what makes board games fun. We review Abomination, the Heir of Frankenstein, and Caverna, the Cave Farmers. And we get back into the Board Game Geek Top 250 Games, numbers 150 to 126. We are your hosts. Michael. This is Ryan. Hey, everybody. Miss Tim. Welcome back, Ryan. I was, I was here last time. Yeah, not the full thing, though. Oh, I mean... Apparently, it sounds like you guys really hit it. I know we did. Yeah, we nailed it. Yeah. It was the best part of any episode ever. Yeah, I'd agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only here to bring you guys down. Okay. Well, welcome Appreciate back that. for that. It was almost like our, uh, if you go back a few episodes, we talked about our amazing play of Concordia Venus. Oh, that was... It was it was similar to that. Yeah, is that, just is that good? good of a it, was, it was that good. We were just we were hitting on all just, cylinders. It didn't yep. come off through the audio of the part of the episode. So oh, it didn't. Really? No, that's really surprising. It wasn't that electric. Well, you're the only one to say that so far. So <laughs> I don't think anyone else besides you has said otherwise. <laughs> uh, well, let's get into it. Do you guys got any new recent plays or interesting new plays? I got nothing. Nothing new, nothing nothing interesting. Nothing interesting nothing at all. Nothing interesting. But I'd like to talk about point salad. We'll start a little light. Okay. Okay. So in point salad, basically you're gonna play through the whole deck of cards and six cards face up. Three of them are scoring objectives and the other three are different uh vegetables. Six vegetables. Six different vegetables. And you're gonna be basically drawing grabbing one of them off the table each turn and it's just gonna pass clockwise until you run out of cards. Yeah, either two vegetables or one point card you're taking. Uh, Michael, you recently picked this up. I did. And I think we've all played it a few times. Yes. So I think it's a good quick little filler game. Mm-hmm. I just played two-player a few games with Michael. I like it quite a bit as a two-player little quick card game. Playing it with maybe three, four. I don't know if I'd want to play. I'd play it with five or six, but I don't think it would be quite as good because then you couldn't see... Plan ahead more as far as what cards are coming. Yeah, because Not that the it's cards a... cycle pretty quick in that case. Yeah, because I've played two, three, and four players. With four players, like chances are, like there's a very little chance that any of the cards out there, because you pick from the th- six different um, vegetables and the three different point cards, none or almost none of those are probably going to be there when you get around. So you can't really plan ahead a ton as far as what's going to be there on your next. Yeah, and whereas two player you definitely can, and it's not a big deal. You know, it's a ten minute game filler game, yeah. anyways. But mm-hmm. it's, so it's I certainly didn't mind it. I like it a little bit more at the you know two three player count. Yeah, yeah, because um, I was with you, Michael. We played this at our last game day at four player. Yep, and I got that same feeling. It was like, well, there's I was going for like radishes or whatever, so I would see one come up after my turn, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh, I I hope it's still there, but after three people go, it's probably not going to be yeah. there. So yeah, because you can, you know, you're taking one or two cards every time. So take two, and then well, yeah, somebody else takes two, somebody else takes two. Chances are it's going to be gone. Yeah, you know, not always, but most of the time, you can't really plan for it to still be there. Yeah, so really, it was always just kind of luck of the draw, what vegetables came up or what scoring card came up, and mm-hmm. like hoping that it but, wasn't gone. Like it's just, it. I think it's interesting though how they did that with like one side has. The points, or scoring objective, the other yep. side has, you know, the vegetables yeah. on it. Because there's a lot of times where you're sitting there like, all right, I want this point card and these two vegetables, but if I take this vegetable, then that point card's not going to be there. And if I take that point card, like, the next person, 
you know, person people were playing against are going to know, well, now I want carrots. So chances are if something doesn't help them, they're going to take carrots so that I can't use it to benefit me. So mm-hmm. there is a good amount of, for such a, a game that takes one minute to explain, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a good amount of thinking actually yeah. to it and tactical and mm-hmm. things. So Yeah, solid game. Well, I played uh, for the first time. I played actually a few times here. Uh, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. So that's a nice little worker placement game. I like the because there's four different colored cards that you're going for. I like how each of them, you know, kind of does a different kind of thing. You know, two different ones where they kind of run an engine. One year is kind of more points related. Some is you know you're getting more resources in that. Um, some are kind of you know end game points and you know just a lot of different things that those cards do but you can kind of specialize almost in that i like the those little assistants that is it's a, a game where you roll dice um and then you can use those assistants to have your dice values higher to get different cards and stuff so i really like those assistants with it and yeah so you said it was a worker placement which it is but it's almost like a hybrid of a dice placement game yeah. Because you have yeah, your dice are your yep. Workers. You've you've got pegs, these colored pegs, basically, or your workers, quote unquote, and you roll the dice, and depending on the number of dice, they the colors also go along with your workers that you put out. So everyone's using the same three dice that are rolled. Yeah. So I, I think that's probably yeah. my favorite part of the game is that with it being a dice placement game. And everyone's using the, the same, same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I completely agree with that. That because a lot of times it's you roll your own dice, so like somebody could have a much better roll than someone else. Whereas this one, everybody's using the same stuff, so mm-hmm. you don't have an advantage over anyone else. Yeah, and especially this game because you need that because there's no action spaces that are good for lower and higher dice. Yep, it's you'd have just to do one all two, higher but... dice. Where some games, they do have some action spots that are nice for lower dice. Yeah, that's the other way other to do it, work, basically. But, yeah. But yeah. You know, I like the, the running the engine thing with the, I believe it's the green and the yellow cards. Yep. Where you, if you're going on those, you, you get a bunch of those and you got to go to those actions. And, mm-hmm. and then the two-player, aren't you supposed to play with only the one space for that? Yeah, so you cover up four spaces with two player the two two spaces that i don't cover up is the running one of those either running your buildings or your fields or harvesting or building and you're supposed to cover up the minus three action space that multiple people can yeah, go to i wouldn't like that because that's a big part of the game like the fun it's thing half of the, the game. fun of the game is running those and i think it's enough of a penalty having a minus three to your yeah, dice that's pretty you know what I mean? yeah so yeah because you cover that up and like one person can harvest and only one person can do the it's i don't know because you can just cut someone off yeah i agree the way you did it where you covered that up so that yeah it's still a penalty so i I think it should be that it can't just like everybody runs it at the same but yeah yeah. if you want it more cutthroat you know you can play it the other way that's fine it's just the way i did play it the way as intended first and then i decided to go with that and i enjoyed it much better just because you have the option to run that. It's still enough of a penalty. Mm-hmm. Yep. See, I haven't played it at two, but that sounds interesting. I played it at, I think, three, the two plays that I had. Yep. And I, I got to say, I, I do enjoy this game quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It's it's one that kind of surprised me because I... Yeah, I've it surprised heard... me that you liked it too. Yeah, because I'm not super big on dice placement games, but mm-hmm. I think because it's a pool 
or a, everyone uses the same dice. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you you know, like you said, Michael, one person's not rolling really high, and I'm rolling really low, so I'm almost handicapped. But you know that it has an engine building where you're building up your different ones, and it it, it just does a lot of things that I really like. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, it's kind of that classic Luciani design where you know it's it's tight. You know, certain resources depending on the game you're playing can be really. A struggle, oh, man, I wish I would have concentrated more on getting stone or you're short on coins to do exactly what you want or those assistants. But yeah, so I know I said normally I don't like dice games, but I'm gonna get into another dice game that I played. Wow, you're rolling a lot of dice and you're doing stuff with your dice. Well, anyways, that's Castles of Burgundy, it's designed okay. by Steffenfeld, mm-hmm. so it is one of those point salad style games point salad type game not point salad the game right not the game that we talked about (laughs) earlier it's not like that but what i mean is that you're going to score points pretty much for anything you do and i've liked a lot of feld games we've been playing a lot this year and i hope that continues (laughs) did it continue with this one it did i i liked it i wasn't sure right away again because normally i don't like those okay Dice that and the uh, production of the game probably didn't yes. call your name too much. It looked very ugly. <laughs> the player boards, real chins, yep, the shallow Tim. Yeah, <laughs> it well, you know, it's true. So, but once you start playing it, there's so much you can do with those dice where you can mitigate it with those workers, they can give you a plus or minus. I like that a lot. And when you start placing your buildings out onto your map, there's so much variety of where you can place it and what items or what little cities you can pick up or little buildings. And there's just a lot you can do with them. So I never really felt like I had my hands tied with my die roll Mm -hmm. because there was just so much, you know, at one point I was able to get a special power where instead of my workers being plus one and minus one, they were plus two and minus two. So, you know, just little things like that even that really help keep it going. So you need some mitigation in your dice rolling games. Mitigation or where everyone suffers the same. Yeah, they're working with the same pool. I like the player aids a lot on the player boards. You know, after you get taught the game and you play a few rounds, then you're able to look at those little reference thing on your player board to see, oh, what is it? What do I do? Bonus do I get when I grab this colored tile? You know, type of thing. Yeah, once you've played it, like you said, it makes sense, which, because it doesn't tell you, but it has like arrows pointing different ways, and it yeah. starts to make sense when once you, you first start, like you haven't played any rounds yet, then it's a little like, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. Now you can't figure it out. But once you play through like, you know, two, three rounds or something, you're starting to like, okay, I understand what this mm-hmm. these right. symbols mean. Yeah, I think it's one of those, I've mentioned it before, but I think it's one of those games that's just a lot of fun playing it and comboing stuff together. And, you know, someone might jump up 40 points and then you get 30 points two turns later, you know, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah, it's fun to close off those sections and get a bunch of points yep. for that. And So speaking of uh, some classic designers, talk about another one here from Alexander Pfister. Uh, that is Isle of Sky from Chieftain to King. So just got this the other day, played it quite a few times now already and i really enjoy it i enjoy it more with each play as well basically everyone's drafting three tiles and then you're axing one of those tiles and you're putting 
money down on the other ones, and then everyone's doing this. And starting with the first player, they have the option to buy a tile from another player. And if I buy Michael's tile for three coins, I get hit, give him three coins, and he get, takes those coins as well as the ones he placed on his tile. And then Michael has the option to do that with mine and Tim's tiles. And then we're placing our tiles out similar to Carcassonne or Queen Domino. And at the end of each round, we're basically, there's a scoring objective that we're scoring each round. So you try to maximize your points that way. And then there's some end game scoring as well. Um, I think it's a good, nice thinky filler for me. I really enjoy that aspect of it. And I already mentioned Queen Domino, but it kind of has that weight range and kind of that same enjoyment level for me. I really like the, you know, you have your screen, you draw your three tiles, and then you place how much money you're going to bid. Because it's one of those things where if you bid too high and no one buys it, you're stuck paying for it, and then, you know, vice versa. But you can look around the table and kind of almost, like, hate draft or hate buy from somebody. Because, mm -hmm. you know, if I see Michael's going nuts for cows... Or he's Axe. Yeah, you know, or Axe. Yep, you could do that too. But I can see what other people are going for and, like, maybe buy a tile. It might not help me as much. It's still going to help me because every tile seems to still benefit you mm -hmm. some way there's typically. usually something out there yeah and then uh so i thought that was interesting and i liked how the scoring works so depending on which round you know every tile every scoring tile doesn't score each round it depends on the round so some of them like a and c will score sometimes a and b sometimes c b d or whatever yep. it works so it, it it's really interesting that way so yeah it was a good good pick yeah, and I wasn't sure on the the auctioning part of it, like how what I would think of that. But once you start playing, you kind of you know you you get the you know there's there's a lot of strategy to that. You know, as far as you know where you're gonna put your money, like all right, I want this one and this one. Well, yeah, I don't really want this other one, but I think someone's gonna pay me. But how much you know are you willing to put on there? And just looking at you know. If you're playing three players, there's nine different tiles out there and seeing like, well, what am I going to get? You know, what benefits me? You know, how much and thinking, well, how much money do I want to use and how much do I want to save to buy something else? So there's a lot of, you know, for such a, a simple, simple enough game, there's a lot of strategy and you're thinking a good amount in it. So, mm. Yeah. And once you really get going, it seems like it's over pretty fast because i was like oh, man i want a couple more rounds of scoring and whatnot <laughs> i guess if i'd have one complaint about it i would say it's a little bit fiddly or wonky because money's technically hidden in the game and just kind of like revealing your prices on everything and keeping your money hidden when it's, you, it's, it's tough to keep it hidden yeah i mean it the... says in the rule book to everybody keep their money in their hand while they're doing that phase or whatever but it's okay. still still a little wonky yeah what do you guys prefer, this or Carcassonne? I prefer this easily for me. Yeah, it's the the tile placement's all the, the same, but like it it does have that feel as far as placing the tiles, but that auction part of it I think it's helps a lot it, yeah. with this game and a little more strategic because you know, instead of just placing one, you're there's a lot of variety. You know, you, you got the three that you pick, so you might get two of those. You could get one from somebody else. Someone could buy one, so there's a lot more going on. I think with it. Yeah, yeah I, I would like, agree. I like the just the scoring to each game you play. I mean, yeah, you might score one of the same objectives the next game, but all different objectives are going to score different rounds. There's all sorts of so I like that part. Yeah, and I like Carcassonne. Just this is just 
a lot more to it, a lot more going on for a game that's it's not mm. much more complex than Carcassonne either. Yeah. So. so now, Ryan, hmm. we know who this was designed by. Yeah. So as far as a Fister game, where does this rank for you? Well, he's got two groups of games. He has his heavier games and then his lighter games. Um, I've only played two of his lighter games, Isle of Sky and Port Royal. I like this better than Port Royale, but I really like them both. Compared to his heavier games, I would rate those higher. But those are more my style of you game. You typically rate those type of games higher anyways. Yeah. So, right? so this one for a lighter game, it actually is up there quite a ways for me. Hmm. Does the name on the box help that? It doesn't because I was... Like Michael, I was a little skeptical going into the auction It's not really an auction, but how that all works. Mm-hmm. That's why it's kind of been on my radar for a couple of years, but I never pulled the trigger, and uh, I was actually quite surprised. If it wasn't a Fister game, do you think you would have gotten it, or do you think because it was Fister, you gave it that chance and gave it a shot? I was more likely to give it a shot for sure because it's a Fister. Okay. Yeah, we talked about it in the last episode with game designers mm-hmm. yeah, and how... You know, that just having a certain name on a box does really help push yeah, people towards certain played games. Because you the other so, you know, yeah. so that, five of his games that you really like. Yeah. Going to give give him the benefit of the doubt if you're unsure. So that doesn't surprise something. me. Yeah. No. Uh, are there other lighter Fister games you're looking into, though? Um, I would like to play Broom Service now, knowing that you guys enjoyed it and everyone who has played it seemed to. Um, before that, I wasn't very interested in it. I didn't. I don't know. I just the. I mean, I'm still skeptical of it, like with the whole brave and not brave That's, thing. Oh, when we were, makes it so good though. When so, I got we got it basically. We hate picked that at um, GameholeCon, and you weren't even there. Like we just did out of a spite. Like, yeah. how we we'll, we get to play this Fister game and you can't play it. Kind of thing. <laughs> and when I was reading through the direction and seeing that brave and cowardly, I was like, ah. Well, at least this will be quick and get it over with quickly. But I actually really liked that part, which yeah, I really was, was. I was way more skeptical of that than I was of the, the Isle of su- Sky, you know, the money placement yeah. thing. And surprisingly, I'm not just saying I liked it that much just to <laughs> try to make you feel bad. <laughs> but it would be funny if but you it, were. But <laughs> <laughs> it would have been funnier if I had bought it and you guys <laughs> were talking it up like that. I'm we, like, all right, I'll get it then. And then you just hate it and we <laughs> yeah. hate it too. <laughs> So, yes, he is easily my favorite designer, and despite that, if it's something I'm not really a fan of, I am still skeptical. So Port Royal, when I first got that, I really didn't enjoy it. I played it probably almost a year later, and then I played it a few times, different times since then, and it's become one of my more enjoyable filler games. So I think that's part of the reason, too, why I didn't get Isle of Sky. I didn't really look any more into Broom Service, because... So then when I pl- came back and played that again and started enjoying it more, then I kind of went back into Isle of Sky and looked into it a little bit more. So I would agree uh, with half of what you said about Port Royal. Yeah, I know. You don't agree with the second half. <laughs> I didn't like it when we first played it like you, <laughs> and I still don't like it. So mm. you're half right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a... a n- Another game as well. Uh, some like... Oh, we're done talking about Fister? All right. I'm out, guys. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Yep. <laughs> Had a good run there. But uh, this one is by Uwe Rosenberg. That's uh, a two-player game. 
Uh, it can be played solo as well, but just played the two players so far. Uh, it's Fields of Arla. Arl or Arla? Arla. It's German. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. I'm I've not 100% certain, but I believe it's Arla. Um, but it's a... I'm pretty it, sure he's wrong. It's Arla. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. I've always heard it Arl. Well, because al- people aren't, you know, you're, have you heard that from someone who speaks German? <laughs> well, how does a German say fields? That's not German. That's English. <laughs> well, I mean, Arla they is say the, it with an accent is the or? city. Well, I, I do know some <laughs> German names of like soccer players in that. And if it okay. ends in L-E, like Sherla is spelled like we think it's Sherl, but it's like Sherla. So tell me more about Fields of Arl. <laughs> Don't know the pronunciation. Also, I'm not 100% sure I'm right. I'm just, I, I think so. Um, but it, it feels like an Uwe Rosenberg game with the, you know, got the animals and, you know, you got fields out there and, and different things. It. I think the main part for me that makes it feel like Rosenberg of the ones I've played is it has that overwhelming so many, right away. Like there's just so much stuff. There's 15 different action spots on the summer side. There's 15 more on the winter side. They're all out there. There's tons of buildings. So like when you first look at it, yeah, it's like yeah, my brain is going to explode because there's just so much information right away. But then once you start playing just a little bit, it all makes sense and clicks right you in. You realize it's not as heavy. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, it, it felt like that. It was... It, I like it. It was a little... Di- I, I like the, the part where there's the those peat fields... Um, that you have to like flip them over, you know. Otherwise, you know, you get negative points at the end. You, you get those and you know, get rid of the P to, you know, one to get rid of those negative points, but also open up more space for it. That felt a little different. And then moving those dikes back as well, just a little different mechanic that I haven't seen before as far as opening up spaces for buildings and for buildings, other and so, yeah. Whether it's fields, you know, for you know, for your animals, different things like that. Um, Definitely one I want to play now that I've played it once. Want to play again, you know, from the beginning, knowing what to do. The first play was just like, I don't know what to do or how to go about. You know, do I travel? Do I get more goods? Uh, yeah, I don't know what to do now. And then once I got like halfway through, like, oh, I'm starting to understand more now. I want to play a game when I from the beginning have at least a you know general idea of what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I think it has. Does it have five? Half seasons, or five summer and five winter seasons, is it? Uh, it's five and four, so there's nine, so nine half seasons. Nine half five seasons. summers So and nine four rounds, winters. basically, in the game. Um, I think, yeah, I was overwhelmed at first, and I think after probably about a season, maybe two seasons, then I kind of focused on two or three different things I was really trying to do during the game, so it helped me. So I wasn't just like, I'll do a little this, a little that. You know, I, you do some of that, but that way I was kind of just focusing on those things for my first play and uh i guess i'm a little worried you're gonna be playing solo now and the next time we play you're just gonna whoop my butt well, i'm gonna try to <laughs> you know, we'll see i'll get like 12 13 solo plays in <laughs> before playing again <laughs> should have done that the first time just play you know get really good at it and play yep. it the first time to you know kick your butt when you don't know what's going on <laughs> just kind of half explain it too yep. and as uh kind of the typical uh rosenberg thing where you gotta pay some resources or pay some food different little different Between, each season yeah. yeah and you get a little income on something as well whether it be food or other stuff um but it's really easy it's not tough to manage you know okay. and also if you're unable to pay something there's a second thing that you can then pay yeah because each well. um you know between you know you place four workers during each you know the summer winter 
Um, so like basically in fall, then you've got to, you know, use some food. If you don't have food, you can use grain, um, you know, things like that. And you can also in going into winter, you don't have to go into summer, um, but use peat for heating your home, which kind of, you know, is a little thematic, um, kind of thing there. Or if you don't have peat, then you can use wood. If you don't have wood, you can use timber. So a lot of things like if you don't have this, you can use this kind of thing. So I think my favorite part of this game is how the, uh, turn order first player thing changed or works so one person each season can actually take an action in another season and then if they do that the other players on the first player so if there's a action you really want to take in summer and it's winter i can take that and then michael's the first player next season so i really enjoyed how that worked yeah and if if no one no one goes it does switch but like because you know say i'm first this round I kind of have a little incentive because it's going to switch to you anyways. I have a little bit of an incentive to to go for something in the other, you know, half season or whatever. Like it's summer, so I'm gonna, you know, little incentive to go, you know, into a winter action. Yeah. So this is one I I definitely enjoyed, and uh, it's not really a big surprise. I'm really looking forward to playing it again. Yep. I look forward to trying it sometime, Michael. Yeah, yeah. it's good. So, good pickup. So. <laughs> If you would like to, we can keep our games rolling of big-name designers. Let's do it. What do you got for me? Well, we started off our last game day playing CO2. Second Chance. Second Chance, yes. And that is designed by... Vital Lacerda. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to approach that one, Tim? <laughs> no, I was just completely blanking. Okay. Yeah, that was by all. By a person. <laughs> by a guy. So, Michael, why don't you explain this game? Because you could probably explain it better than I can. Yeah, so CO2 is a it's a semi-cooperative game. It can be played cooperative, but we played the semi-cooperative way. Uh, you're a company putting out, you know, basically you're trying to create or build um, power plants. You know, you're putting out the, someone's going to put out the infrastructure. Maybe the same person or someone else is going to then... Um, get the i forget the the term but you know put the foundations down you know start building it and then someone's going to finish um you know with or it's proposals infrastructure and build um are the different actions so you're trying to create these green power plants because every it's basically played in decades every decade if it you know creating in the six different continents if some if a power plant isn't built a green one isn't built in a certain continent then a maybe a coal or a natural gas or an oil power plant's going to be built and that's going to increase the you know carbon dioxide in the in the atmosphere and you're basically trying to stop it from from going too high so the the cooperative aspect of it is if you get over certain parts per million everybody dies and everybody loses um, and if it doesn't you're still you're your own company trying to do the best you get the most points make the most money so that's where the competitive part is like you have to stop it from getting too high but you also have to get the most points and you know do the best at building those power plants so that you can win so i think it's it's very thematic with the semi-cooperative because that's kind of how it really is where these different you know different companies it helps if you you know share science and share you know this knowledge but it kind of hurts you. You're not going to make as much money if you're helping this other company do stuff as well. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so it's kind of that you know push and pull as far as how much do you want to help and how much is that going to hurt you and how much do you want to be selfish and do things that are to get you points. It seems like it's a pretty tough game. It's a Lacerda game, like so there's a lot going on in that. And it's a very tough one. So our first play, like I don't think we had a real awesome shot at winning. <laughs> um, so I think once we understand the game, you know, as we understand the game better, can play more efficiently. I think it gives us a better chance of not having the, you know, everyone die because you know we can play enough, and then we can try to do your own thing. So interesting to you know see as we get better at the game. You know, how are we gonna? Are we going to be able to do that better and better chance of actually not dying yeah. three decades in? So I didn't think it was terribly heavy. Um, the main no, part that I struggled with was just the upkeep and how that all kind of worked and made sense. The actual gameplay of your three actions and then your little executive actions, yeah. that all made perfect sense. Yeah, you know, what after to do. It's just playing a decade, you know. Yeah. It's just how to play efficiently. Yeah, will improve never sort of played yeah. well, but yeah, but yeah, like you said, like under, understanding like what things you can do because the main actions have to be done in order. You know, put out the proposal, put the infrastructure down, and then build the plant. Like mm-hmm. it makes sense in order, like all that, and then you can either go to the market, put your scientists out to gain knowledge, that kind of thing. So, so it's one I, I'm I'm uncertain on like how I'm gonna end up feeling about the game until we play it a couple more times and. There are variants as well where you can make it a little bit more competitive, so it's a little easier to not, you know, get that the parts per million so high that you everybody loses, which you know maybe a good thing to you know play it that way a few times. Maybe to start always with the co-op mode, yeah. You know, so we're not start getting with the, blown apart, just getting crushed, yeah. Because <laughs> there's five decades in, and we we died in the third decade. Well, <laughs> you guys died. I I died last. I won. You didn't win. No. <laughs> we all lost. We, we all <laughs> lost. I gotta say, I was I didn't really look into this game much prior. Yep. I know you know you had talked about it and you had gotten it and played a few games solo and were excited about it. So I, I still didn't know anything going in, mm-hmm. and I was pleasantly surprised. I know, mm-hmm. um, you know, with it being semi cooperative, where either we can all lose or one player wins. You know, that can be, if it's done right, I think I like it. So I wasn't sure. But, you know, as we were going along, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. I like the the three main actions you can do, how those work together on the board, and then your executive actions, sending your scientists out, playing cards or, you know, completing cards and stuff like that. And I the whole thing, I really, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to another play, knowing what we should do better early on so yeah. we don't lose so bad. <laughs> yeah, we almost pulled through. We almost made it through the third decade, and as you go, like it seems like it's... Because there's a few less power plants in those four Yeah, it's a little easier decades. each decade yeah. to Because not every... like Africa, for example, there's only three decades where a power plant is built there, so you don't have to build a fourth one there, you know, that kind of thing. So... One one thing that you didn't play in the first um, play, we could have, but um, those lobbyist cards that we got, um, you can draft those instead of just getting some. Um, so I think oh, that's kind of okay. that would be interesting. It, I know that was one of your complaints because some of them, yeah. If I just make a proposal, 
I will get like three yeah, money three or whatever. Three dollars, yep. And you had one that would give you the exact same benefit, but you actually had to like build a power plant. Yeah, complete which the is third more... action, which is build, which was a lot more difficult. Like, yes, you could still do it, but making a proposal is just that's the first part of those yeah, power plants. So it's boom, always do done. That. Whereas building, you have to have the money, you have to have the resources, and hope no one else does it exactly well. well it has to be on a specific spot too yep. right uh it just has to be a certain or certain plants well, certain there, type there of plant and i have to have my knowledge up high enough on that specific track right. and i have to hope <laughs> we get those for, so i, I would have been fine with it but i had two of them and i had no of those proposal yeah. ones and then if the reward would have been a little bit better mm-hmm. for that yeah. That would have been fine. They're like, maybe give me five coins. Right. And I think drafting them will will help with that because then you can pick, you know, maybe make sure you get a couple that are easier and then everybody's probably going to get one that's not that you can't do. It's just going to take you a little bit longer to do it to be halfway through the game or something. Mm -hmm. It's said in the rule books not to do that. And I think the first play, like we would have been drafting before, like, no, it's always always a trouble with those games like that is when that you draft you have no idea what you're drafting you don't know the game and you're drafting already. right it's so. like oh let me pick this because i have no idea random card kind of thing yeah so my thoughts on the game is i did enjoy it um i'm not sure how i feel overall in the game yet um i want to play a couple more times for sure the semi-cooperative nature of it i don't particularly like that in games when a lot of games do that um if I play this a little bit more, maybe I'll like that a little bit more. Maybe I won't. But I don't think it's a bad game, but it is one I'm not sure on yet. Looking in before, like, at all his games, this one and Escape Plan were the two I wasn't sure about, but I still definitely wanted to try because I, you know, still want to try them out. So. Yeah, and there is a, a cooperative. So I think I, think I want to play the semi-cooperative a few more times. And if the semi-cooperative part just doesn't isn't working or working for our group, maybe try the the cooperative. But definitely want to. I'm hoping the semi-cooperative works once we get a few more plays in. You played it solo. What did you think about it as a solo game? I got crushed pretty bad the first time. <laughs> um, I was nowhere near close. I, and there was one part of it um, because I had read through it like I was going to play the semi-cooperative, and then it's like, oh, I'm going to play solo instead. So I kind of read through the rules quick and I, I missed a part of it where a difference in the rules. So like I was doing it kind of wrong initially, which kind of hurt me. So I was like, Oh, let's say I would have done this. And I kind of went back into that. So it was, was kind of all messed up that first play, but <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't bad solo. I think I'd like it more with our three player one I liked it more, but I, I do want to play it solo again um, as well. Now that I'm, as I'm getting better at it, you know, maybe I have a better chance at winning. Cause I, I wasn't that close to winning the second time either. Closer, but okay. it wasn't like I was—I barely lost. <laughs> yeah, and I could see like the theme bleeding through, and I really like the look of the board and how the when you build the pieces interlock with each other. I yeah, really that looks really cool. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those—you know—when you get when you get it all built, like all those mm-hmm. three different pieces that kind of lock together is pretty cool. And like the um, one other thing is the those scientists going to those. Um, the summits oh, yeah. Yeah. that was kind of cool where you put you get your scientists out there and then either someone else is gonna go there and you both get those benefits then I thought that was kind of cool mm. well if that wraps up our recent plays should we go on a table talk and discuss why we find games fun 
Let's do it. So in this episode's Table Talk, we're discussing what makes board games fun. So Ryan, if you had to answer that question, okay, how would you answer it? I would answer getting around the table, you know, not being on your phone, not being on the computer, watching TV, that aspect of it, getting together with people, playing a game, whether it be a lighthearted game or a thinkier game, just having fun with them. Um, when you get into the lighter games, it's that social aspect more so of laughing, having a good time, playing the game. And then when you start playing those heavier games, for me it's the competitive nature and like the puzzle in your brain that you're working out and how that engages you into playing the game. And just you want to play the game again and get better at it or you want to refine certain things. And I'll maybe... Maybe Michael beat me at this game like three times in a row, and I want to yeah, that's get awesome. Better and... <laughs> Does that ever happen? Sometimes, yeah. Does I it... think the first three, four times I played Castles of Burgundy, I was yeah, I, I was crushing it. I rarely win that game. Usually, Michael or Sarah always beat me. Hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, in I the can, game we I had, Michael won. <laughs> no, that's not. I don't like that game as much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. You'd rather have me win? Well, no, but oh, okay. When I don't win. Well, you're going to rate a lot of games pretty low. <laughs> so obviously when I say that, I'm joking. Because to me, what makes games fun are, it's the people around the table for me. Yep. It's, you know, getting together every couple of weeks or whenever we can, sitting down, cracking a game open, and just, you know, having fun with it, just joking around with each other. Uh, you know, going through when you talk like specifically about what makes a board game fun and you take away the people around the board. Yes. You know, I like, you know, like the midweight euros. I find those fun ones that are thinky ones that make you feel clever, you know, a good area control game. Obviously I have things that make board games not fun. And that would be, you know, the real, like, take that interaction style games. But. Like a war game or something. No. Ooh, or, that's, that's He's fine with those, that. Well, what do you mean? Like, do you find those, you know, I think those can be fun as well. Like, you don't think like, oh, war, that's fun. But, like, the <laughs> game can be fun itself. Like, there's different ways, I think, that. Oh, I see, okay, okay. I see fun. what you. Yeah. I see what you're going there. I, I don't know if you're trying to attack me. No, I think it's getting pretty defensive. Over I'm trying there. to. I'm trying to talk about what's fun, and you guys are getting aggressive with. Well, you're me. the one talking about what's not fun. Briefly, just to put it in context, <laughs> that's all I was doing. So, to me, that's the biggest thing. It's just getting friends, family around the table. You know, even when we have our family get-togethers, we'll play a game, typically like a party-style game. You know, like monikers, uh, you know, when we play that, we're always laughing, having a good time. You know, trying to see my mom lie when we play werewolf or something like that's always an interesting dynamic. Yep. You know, just seeing how that works. So that's, to me, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, seeing non-gamers play games and get into it when they're really getting into it is, is interesting to always, a lot of fun to see. Yeah, and I've... 
at least for like our family get togethers, I have a harder time getting heavier games. Well, out, obviously, or even like even games that are like the entry level, quote unquote, you know, like King of Tokyo probably wouldn't work. But if I'm going to bring Cash and Guns or Werewolf or Moniker or something like that, the party style, the games. party style games, the ones that really get the hit. And, you know, because they're fun, they're funny for everyone, you know, gets people involved, gets mm. people off their phones because everyone's interacting. So you get people invested, vested in the game. and that. Yeah. And it, it creates those moments, too, that, you know, you talk about the next year. Oh, remember when we were playing that game and, you know, yeah. this happened or when Marv tried running through the wall <laughs> yep. acting like the Kool-Aid man, you know, stuff that was like great. that. He did a great job with that one. I was, <laughs> I was impressed. So I, I almost think there's almost a few different levels of quote unquote fun because like you could sit and laugh at party games and you know, when you play a heavier game, you're, you might not be sitting there laughing, but you're still having a good time yeah, because it's a different it's, type of fun. It's a different, yeah, different type, different style of fun and enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah, when you're playing Bang, the, the dice game is a very different kind of fun than Great Western Trail. Yes. You know, um, you know like, because each game, it, the I guess the common thing is, like you guys said, you know, the people around the table and having, you know, having that enjoyment of it. Um, but the specific with the game, there's different ways that that game is going to be fun, whether it's you know, like the party ones where everybody's laughing, you know, go around the table mm -hmm. and things like that, or where you may be a different game where you're building that engine and you can you can kind of see like how you've built this thing up where you're doing nothing early in the game and then all of a sudden you're, you're doing all this kind of stuff like, yeah, I built that. Like it feels rewarding, I guess. Yeah. That kind of fun in a game. I also like when a game ends up like, kind of edge your seat or everybody's standing at the end of the game when you're something comes really close down at the end maybe uh it seems the final to, scoring it seems to happen a lot the last like couple rounds are the scoring of dominant species now yeah granted it's a longer <laughs> game maybe people are sick of sitting down but i feel like it happens the tension a lot of people start standing up and like looking at their actions or what cards they want to so it's funny if you notice too later in the rounds People stop talking to each other as much. <laughs> yeah. Have you noticed that? Yeah, the first round or two, we're kind of yeah, like we're joking, talking and you know? joking, and then it slowly shifts to no Getting one's talking. More serious. And then everyone starts standing and observe, like it's thinking about what they want to do. Yeah. You can tell when everyone's invested in a game like that. Yeah. And it's not only dominant species. I mean, there's others too, but you know, we start off and like, oh, I'm gonna attack you, and you're laughing about it, and you're doing this and that, and then all of a sudden, like. A few rounds till the end, it just gets dead quiet. Everyone's glaring at the board. Yeah, there's tension everywhere. <laughs> You're trying to figure out where you are, like with those that final yep. score. Yeah, you get, it's like, oh, who's what? You know, what's that? You know, that card when that's gonna go, when when is that gonna go off? And how screwed am I? Yeah, then you get you get attacked in one of those later rounds. You're not laughing. You're going, you piece of crap. Yeah. I hate you. <laughs> I always think oh, I just hope I'm not gonna tie with Michael this game. <laughs> I'm sick of that. But then we do every time. <laughs> In those kind of moments too, like that's fun and it's memorable that yeah. we tied two games in a row in a game where you're scoring 120 points or something, and you know it's kind of kind of crazy those, those dual wins. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, another thing I think I get a lot of enjoyment out of is there's two different aspects of it with a game is getting the new game and exploring it, and you know 
it clicking with you and seeing how everything works and maybe some new mechanics or twist on mechanics and seeing how those go and playing the old board games to refine and get better at them. I enjoy both those. find yeah. a lot of enjoyment out of both those things. As long as when you play a game, I think a hallmark is after I'm done, I immediately want to play again. Or after I'm done, I'm already thinking about how to get better. Or even if I lost, I still had just a blast playing it. Mm-hmm. Those are yep. two good hallmarks for me. Absolutely. I will say the group around the table can make or break a game. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing a game that you like, but everyone else at the table doesn't like it, or maybe people are just checked out of the game, it can really hurt the experience. Yeah. But, you know, then again, we you flip it, and we play a game like Dominant Species. Everyone's into it. Everyone's having a good time. And it it elevates an already awesome game. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think... Maybe a game for me that I enjoy. Now, I don't love it or anything. I could probably think of a better game for that, but the one that comes off the top of my head is Keyflower. Well, I do enjoy it. I've only got to play it a few times, but I just don't think it's the type of game that a lot of people in the group enjoyed or would enjoy, so I don't end up playing it. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of one for me. Yeah. Do you have any, you guys? I have one that I want to try more. I'm sure you know which one. (laughs) Yeah. And because... A few people in our group really just despise it, so I just don't pick it because they don't want to play it with me. And And that's that's, always tough. And that's rude. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to play it more. I want to see, you know, how different things work in it because what I've seen I have liked. But other people, Ryan, they just despise it, it seems like. Yeah, I, I did not enjoy it. <laughs> you just played once, right? Or I did, did play you... once. Okay. Did yeah. I like any a bit of it, but that's yeah. just me. I don't remember. Did you play I, Michael? I played it once. I okay. did not enjoy it. I would play it again though, but Oh you would. I would play it again. It's not ring endorsement. Tim's trying to get so... three other people that would say they will play it again. Michael's yeah, in. <laughs> I, I didn't like it very much, but yeah, I, I would play it again. What does it um, need to go up against for you to pick it? <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. Like, if there's other options, I would play the other option almost for sure. But you got one, Michael, that you really enjoy that, or you feel like you enjoy a lot more than everyone else. I just don't care what everyone else likes. Okay, whatever. Oh, you know, I'm yeah, just gonna play what I want to play. Right. <laughs> well, I know that. Um, maybe with certain people won't like it where I do. Like, um, I think that 878 Vikings, Aaron really, really did not like that at <laughs> yeah, all. I think yeah. he's one and that I did. won't play those ever again. I mean, he probably would just because it's not that long, but... I don't think he... Every time he's gotten put into a game, he's always just been miserable. Yeah. <laughs> and he makes it known. <laughs> yeah. Which is fine. You can make it known that way. You know, well, maybe I'll try to play that when Aaron isn't playing. You got to think... You could almost get back at him for that uh, abstract bonanza. Just do a or, ma- Making America or it, series. Or if bonanza. it happens again, be like, you know, next time this, if you do this to me, I'm going to pick 878 or 1775. you got to play that. Just pick them both back to back. Just yeah. threaten them. 
I, I didn't I didn't hate that abstract bonanza. I, I you know I hated liked it for you. Those. Okay. <laughs> the the biggest problem though was that you guys were playing through the ages and I love that game so much yeah. that yeah. that was the the bigger issue I guess is what it was up against I guess. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thing too, Tim. I could probably think of a couple better games, but that was just one that popped off the top of my mm. head when you mentioned that. I like, you know, when you go to a convention as well, you get to play with new people outside the group, people that you're not used to playing yeah. with, and then seeing the dynamic of how that works. Like at Origins, we played a game of Dominant Species with three complete strangers, and that's, yep. a, that's a pretty mean, long game. So it's interesting to see, like, you know, are they going to enjoy this? Are they going to get into how it, are they going to mm. be okay with all the, some of those cards, that card play that can happen? In it? And I think they all took it in pretty good spirit. Yeah, it's always fun to see the different personalities around tables, especially like at conventions when you play with new people. Like, I always think back to, I think it was the Nexus Game Fair yeah. when we were playing, um, Dead of Winter. De- yep, I was just thinking that too. And Dead of Winter is a good one to play with, like random. We were playing with random people. It was me and Ryan, and then I can't remember. Was it three other? Three other people. Yep. So, the guy sitting next to me, you could tell he was just really shy. <laughs> we were calling him out, and he was just... like really like you know he didn't say much, you know, just really shy. As soon as we got dealt cards, I could tell he was like that, and instantly I'm like, he's a traitor. He's not even looking at me. He won't talk to me. And he's just like beat red. Yeah, we're jumping down his throat. You know, we might have made him a little uncomfortable, but you're trying to get him to, you know. Yeah, trying to lighten up a little bit. Yeah. Get get comfortable with it. Right. But again, it was just one of those memories that I think back to about playing with random people where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, that was funny. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you you always want to try to make it fun for the other people around the table with Mm -hmm. you. And like you said, that (laughs) the guys with uh, dominant species at Origins where the two guys were just attacking each other. They didn't even know each other, and yeah. they weren't with our group, and they were just, like, button heads, oh, not, like, you know, aggressively towards each other. But, you know, they just keep in the, the, in the oh, game. In the, the game. guy got his birds pretty much just completely wiped yeah. off the map, and he was, like, laughing yep. about it, like, oh, man, that was a stupid move on my part, yep. you know, type of thing. And, because you never know how people are going to react. And I think he got, it was a cataclysm, got played on him, and it wiped all of his birds off the map except for like one or two and he was like oh yeah that's not good <laughs> but but then he was laughing about it you know and it's like you just never know you know if yeah, he's, especially if he's in a gonna... long game like that that's one of those like ooh, how's that gonna go yeah especially like someone a, you don't know yeah some guy flipping the board or storming <laughs> off or something like that oh, you know? when was that it was at origins a couple years ago i think it's the first year with kemet or whatever you talking or? I think it was first year there. I don't even remember what game they were playing, but they were a few tables away. All of a sudden, some lady, she stood up and just started yelling at the guy and then stormed out of the room. And it was just wow. super <laughs> awkward. You know, you're in a just a big-ass, you know, gaming hall, and this lady's screaming at some guy because something in-game, I'm assuming in-game, and it was just really, mm-hmm. you know, I hope that never happens to us. <laughs> Something else I really enjoy doing too is uh, teaching people a game that they've never played and seeing them enjoy the game, um, whether I'm playing in the game or not. But I really enjoy teaching them and seeing them experience the game and you know get better at the game as it goes on and just f- seeing how other people play games sometimes. So, what if we go back to 
even before you buy a game. Let's start at the beginning. So do you find it fun to go on to board game geek onto the different websites and scroll through you know researching into games yep finding a new game i like all that do you just yep. i enjoy it a lot michael yeah like going through that the top 250 list like you know going through these games you know some that i you know, maybe don't enjoy the game but i like looking into them to see like well what am i going to think of this game and yeah every time we go through these lists i i enjoy the, you know a new game like oh Hey, I want to check that out. That looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, and... the, the discovery. Yeah, you know, it was a lot yep. of fun. The path to that. I think I don't find it as much now as I used to. But first, getting into games and you see all these different, all these different games, and you're not familiar with all these mechanisms, and it's like, whoa. Oh I'm, yeah. You know, yeah. When you're first getting in, because you have no idea what's going on, it's like you're being born into a new world. You yeah. know, you just don't know. Like the game where to blowing start. your mind like, man, that I didn't know something like that can be done. Yeah. So now let's say you bought a new game, you bring it home. Are you guys the type that rip open the plastic right away, punch everything out, smell the cards, do all that, or do you let it sit on your shelf for a while? I will always I open it right away, punch everything out. I don't always read the rules for everything right away, but that initial part I'm I'm doing that for sure. There's a few games I haven't done that with, but almost every single time I'll open it up right away, punch it, sniff it, throw out the insert, and bag it all up, and then pack it away. So what's the? why do you say there's been a few games that you've done that for, but not all of them? So typically, so near and far for whatever reason, I actually did punch it, but there's a couple where maybe I'll lose interest, like if it's a Kickstarter thing or just something else, I'll lose interest after that waiting period oh, of okay. getting it from or uh, kickstarting it to getting it. Or a lot of times when it's a Kickstarter game, if there's just tons and tons of extra stuff and it's, I'm overwhelmed and I just, I'd rather just have the base game and I got all this junk that I don't care about <laughs> type of thing. It really just turns me off when I see that and it doesn't, tell me what's kickstarter stuff what's not that just annoys me that find i find that so bizarre because i'm the opposite like if i get a ton of stuff like if i get a new kickstarter game and there's a bunch of stuff in there i'm like just all pumped about it looking through it all trying to figure out what's what and i love doing that so i find that interesting that yeah it's just one of those pet peeves i think for me i just i hate it <laughs> <laughs> so ryan you've you've Put the work in. You've got the game. You brought it home. You punched it. You sniffed the cards. Thrilled the insert. The excitement's <laughs> still there for you. Okay. Now it's time to learn the game and then eventually teach it. Now, are you a person that finds that more of a chore to learn and teach a game, or is that something you also enjoy? Typically, I do enjoy it, but it always depends on the rule book and the experience of reading that rule book. Sometimes there's rule books that are a slog or they're just bad rule books. But when a rule book is a nice, easy read, even if it's a complex game, like some examples for me are Lisboa, that was an enjoyable read. Great Western Trail and Mubasa, I liked reading through those. And after reading. Two Fister games, that's why. The, okay. I think it's the layout of those rule books. And then discovering, I was like, man, and you get pumped thinking, I think I'm going to like this. Like, that is the thing I get most excited about is when you're reading through the rule book and you can just tell 
it's a game for you and maybe there's some interesting new things in there that you see and you're like yeah I can't wait to play this one and then when I actually teach a game usually I'm fine with it um, sometimes you know if you're tired and whatnot that can be kind of a chore but yeah. when I get enough sleep <laughs> or when I'm in the mood for teaching it and I do enjoy that as well how quick of a turnaround do you need so let's say if you read the rule book now can you wait almost a month before you teach that game or do you have to have it like i read it the night before and now i'm locked and loaded you know it it really depends on the game the weight of the game but Mm -hmm. like say something for lisboa as an just because that's a recent one i would want to play that within the next week or two weeks uh, maybe if it's been two weeks, I'll skim the rules again, you know, something like that, just to get all the phases down. But if it gets, starts to get longer than that, the heavier the game, the more I need to, you know, refresh on the rules. Yeah, yeah for a, a for I I enjoy if I'm excited about a game, I like the process of going through reading the rule book, you know, getting that down, and whether it's you know, obviously there's the reading the rule book, but you know, maybe watching a watching a play of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can kind of see, get a better idea of how the flow, like when people are actually playing it, or just doing kind of a solo run through by myself, kind of playing a couple rounds maybe just to to get it. And like you said, Ryan, where you're reading through it and you can just tell that, oh man, that I was excited about it before, but I'm really excited now because I can just tell that this is going to be a fun game for me. I'm going to enjoy it. And, and it, it is something where for me too, with like, if it's a complex game, I want to have read up on it within a couple days, usually before teaching it, so I'm more comfortable with it for a first teach. If it's less complex, then that's not as necessary. But because yeah. otherwise, you know, I'll forget certain things and maybe like playing through, like I'll know it, but explain it so that everyone else at the table can get the game as, as best you can without actually reading it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one rule book that I did read recently that I can tell I am very excited after reading the rules is uh, Mari Kaibo by Alexander Pfister. Mm. You know, going through the rule book, now I don't, obviously enjoying it as much as I do Great Western Trail and Mombasa is tough. So it kind of, I think it had that same layout as Great Western Trail and Mombasa. And I got like the same feeling when I was reading the rule book. I, the process of reading that rule book was really enjoyable. And it was just like, man, this is kind of my style. I think I'm really going to enjoy this. It kind of has that kitchen sink thrown at it like Great Western Trail. So I'm hoping all the pieces of the game fit together like that. So whether it does or not remains to be seen, but I'm hopeful. So you say you f- it feels like the other games. Why do you say that? Because it's... So when I first played and learned Great Western Trail, it seemed like there was now... It just seemed like there's a lot of mechanisms thrown in there, and they all seem to work really well together, which is kind of surprising. This kind of has that same feel for me. Um, so this game has, I would say, the engine-building card play of Terraforming Mars, where there's cards that pe- you're drafting from the table, um, you're engine-building, you're comboing, synergizing stuff together. It's kind of got that rondel movement where when you're going on the map, you're moving your ship around, similar to Great Western Trail. Okay. There's going to be four rounds. Um, the round will actually end as soon as someone gets to the next to last space. They have to stop there. Depending on how far you move, that's how many actions you can take. So it's kind of got that part, and it's got like micro actions similar to Great Western Trail. You know, there's 
little mini action, and then it's the next person's turn, you know, that type of stuff. So where do you feel this game rates <laughs> compared to, you know, Great Western Trail, Mombasa, Blackout? Um, I don't know. I haven't played it. <laughs> uh, my guess is going to be higher than Blackout, but lower than Mombasa and Great Western Trail. But who knows? Could, that's that's I tough could, to say without ever playing it. Yes, <laughs> I could not enjoy the game, but I think I will. So you're thinking right around, like, at least top five game of all time? No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I know you're you're trying to get something off me here to well, use against just, me in the future, no, but I'm not. I wouldn't do that to you. But to go into our table talk again, I found that experience fun and yeah. really enjoyable for me. Yeah, just the whole process of you know diving into a new game and yeah, something learning. else I think is really cool is when there's a game you're going into and well like you tim you mentioned you didn't really know anything about co2 Mm -hmm. if it's a game you know nothing really about or you're actually really skeptical of it and you end up really enjoying that game that's a great experience oh definitely a surprise game yeah i've mentioned it before it's kind of like a movie or a show you watch and you, you didn't have any expectations and it highly exceeded those i would also say on the flip side if a game's really built up and then it just it's terrible, like, it makes it even like worse. Like I'm doing Crushing for Mario Kaibo for you? <laughs> well, that, I'm not sure yet. You know, I hope but I yeah, like it. Like, but yeah. That, like, that, when you're really excited about a game and you end up hating it, that's yeah. yeah. that usually doesn't happen with me. You know, it happens. But I try not to get... I can tell generally if I'm going to at least somewhat enjoy something. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not how much enjoyment you're getting yeah, out of it. I usually don't get too excited about something and I hate the game. You know, that does happen, but that's more rare. So overall, I believe the whole board game experience is just a lot of fun for me and probably all of us. Yeah. So that wraps up this episode's table talk. So let's move on to our first review, Abomination, the Heir of Frankenstein. Abomination, the Heir of Frankenstein, was designed by Dan Blanchett and published by Plat Hat Games in 2019. It plays two to four players in 90 to 180 minutes. Abomination is a worker placement game, and in it they'll be placing their workers on the board to gain humanity, reputation, and expertise. They will also be collecting resources such as bones, blood, organs, and tissue to help bring their abomination to life. The round will start with an event phase where a possible story element will take place affecting certain players or the whole round. It will be followed up with a city phase where players are placing their workers out on the board taking certain actions and it will end with the lab phase where players are attempting to create new body parts for their monster or to bring it to life. The game will end after a maximum of 12 rounds or possibly less as some rounds may be skipped or when one player brings their monster to life. Players will tally their final score, and the player with the most is a winner. So Abomination, Era of Frankenstein. How does the production quality feel to you guys? Everything's good except for the player boards. Yeah, those are really chintzy. Yeah, they're flimsy. They have little dials on them, so you can keep track of your humanity, your reputation, your expertise. And, you know, I get why they have the dials and maybe maybe why they're a little chintzier, but they're, like, super chintzy. Yeah, 
so when we we demoed it at Origins and then seeing it too, it it's a little worrisome because they're so thin. You know, you could have made it more than just cardstock yeah. for the player boards. So I, I always worry about it bending. Now it didn't. You know, it actually went smoother than I thought. But you just kind of have that thought in the back of your mind. Yeah, you don't. It's not like you move your player board. I mean, you slide tokens on yeah. the top and you move your dials. But still, it's like, you know, there's going to be wear and tear on it, you know, just being in the box, moving it around, yeah. playing it. So that's one thing I, I have concerns about is that, you know, with more plays, with more just age and wear on the game, those will be the first thing that really get beat up. And that's the most important part of the game, or one of the most, mm -hmm. because you do so much with your player board, you know, with the and dials and those dials yeah. all the time. The only other complaint I have about the production is, I believe it was, was it purple and the brown oh, yeah. on the cards was really hard to tell sometimes yep. which yeah. color it was specifically, you know. The cubes are fine. Yeah, the cubes are fine, depending on your lighting, but. So I, I think it's the, if you look at the cards initially, the brown, you're not sure when you look at the card itself and the cadaver card. It'll show what cubes you get or what body parts you get. So when you first look at it, it looks like it's a dark red, but it's really a brown. But if you look at another card that actually has blood on it, it's really bright. And then it's like, oh, okay. So anytime red, it's mm -hmm. going to be a really bright red. I think I ended up getting the brown and the purple more mixed up oh, than really? the red. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Th those it. look very close to me too because the first time I know I looking at a card like i th i couldn't tell if it was brown or purple because there's only one of them on there if they're both there then you could tell yeah but just one of them like yeah and you know once i got into the game it was fine but initially like yep what color is that and other than that i really like you know i like the art on it i like the you know the cube cubes are you know decent quality little plastic cubes and then i like the um the abomination you're actually creating it's almost like one of those paper dolls that you're like piecing together. <laughs> yeah. You know, you get, you build a leg, so you put a leg on your table, you build a torso, you, you know, you piece them together. Yeah. And then when you upgrade them, they flip over and then, you know, you eventually you're trying to bring them to life. But I mean, everything, as far as that package, I, I like that. Yeah. I really enjoy the artistic style that they brought to this game. It captures that old timey Gothic horror look, oh, yeah. drab look really well for me. You know, it really brings me in. I like the art on this game quite a bit oh yeah yeah and the there's a lot of cards with you know bodies on it basically and it looks pretty realistic for mm -hmm. yeah yeah they didn't hold back on no you know, the, no they didn't make it uh you know kind of like a light-hearted take on it yeah because nope. especially <laughs> very the <ones>. macabre <laughs> yeah especially the ones that are the public executions so someone got beheaded at the start of the round so there's a cadaver card on there, and it's literally a card without someone's, like, the head's separated from the body. If you look, you can really see it. It's like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't mess around with that. No. So. Yeah, so, so if you're squeamish. Yeah, or if you have kids, you know, something to be aware of, you know, it might be a dark theme or maybe too gruesome for them. You yeah. You might want to pay attention to that. Right. But as far as it goes for me, that didn't bother me at all. Mm -hmm. I really brought me into the game more and i enjoyed that 
Yeah, with the the theme, I mean, it's very very unique for a like a worker placement game. Mm -hmm. um, you know, getting all these different you know body parts. You know, getting you know these you know getting organs and bones and blood from bodies that you get in a lot of different ways. Like you're you know digging up a cemetery or <laughs> um, getting a bottle body from a hospital or um, murdering just straight someone. up murdering someone. Yeah, <laughs> which. So how did that theme uh, feel for you? Did it come through during the I gameplay? I liked it. Oh, it, this as far as a, like a Euro worker placement, this is like I think one of the most thematic. Like I really, really felt that yeah. theme in this game a, a ton, and I and I liked the theme. I mean, I'm glad they they went so strong um, yeah, with that. Otherwise, definitely. it takes some off because that really puts you and you feel like you're doing this. Mm -hmm. Really puts you in the mood, which I think helps the game a lot. Yeah, I would say it's definitely got a very strong theme, um, and the art obviously helps bring that out. But then just you know, you go into these different action spaces and digging up bodies, or you go into the morgue, or just different things that you're doing, or try to raise your humanity, blocking other people from doing some of these evil things. Yeah. So even to take that a step further, like when you dig up a grave, it's thematic enough where typically when you go to the cemetery and dig up a grave, you're going to get bones. Once in a while, yep. you're going to find a cadaver that's a little fresher, so you might right. get some... Might get some fresh meat in you there. Might get, but it's still not as like fresh. you're not going to find any blood, yeah. typically, yep. in those. And then, you know, the same with, like, if you go and murder someone, you're going to lose humanity because you're doing these evil things that, you know, slowly kind of chip away at you. And, you know, to me, that's the biggest part that brings the theme out is, you know, the different cadaver cards. Now there's different levels of your body parts that you can get. So there's like level one, two, three, and four. So obviously level one is the, the freshest level four is the oldest. And at the end of each round, you're going to tick off. You're going to like degrade your body parts. They're going to age, so to speak. And, Again, that, that brings that theme out because you go dig up a grave, you're going to get bones, but any body parts you get, they're going to be in the three or four because they've been in the grave. You go to the public square when somebody gets executed, they're going to be level one bodies. They're going to be the freshest. Or if you murder someone, they're going to be the freshest. And there's always kind of that. <laughs> so there's that, you know, that helps bring that theme in because you're is kind of dark as it is you know you're getting these body parts in different stages of decomposition yeah, really. and it makes thematic sense yes what, yeah. you know those different types of bodies from different you know the different locations that you get them from is going to affect what types of things you get you know how de degraded they are decomposed they are yeah. so that's one of the things that if they would have shied away from the theme or made it more lighthearted, that really would have taken away one of the big draws for me in this game you know i like how dark it is, how thematic it feels, and the Euro mechanics blended with that gothic horror theme. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, going on theme, so the theme is that the, you know, like you said in the intro, where scientists that the creature basically recruited to build him a companion. Because if you've ever read the book, spoiler, the monster wants him to create a companion for him. And Frankenstein dies, and the captain basically vows to hunt the creature down. So that's kind of where this game picks up. You you have a round tracker, which is the captain, 
He's slowly closing in on you or the monster itself. And the monster's trying to get you to create the companion that he wants. And, you know, there's the story cards and the event cards. Now, I'll get to that a little later, but that helps. Yeah, you can see where they're trying to, they brought more theme in. They with brought those. more theme. There's some of them that say, you know, depending on what your choice is, go to, you know, B17 in the book. So in the back of the rule book, it's got a bunch of scripts that you'll go in and you'll read and something positive or negative will affect a certain player depending on who's making the decisions and whatnot. So even if I have problems with those cards, that still helps bring the theme out because sometimes it's the monster coming to you in your lab to confront you about something. Sometimes it's the captain. The captain caught up to you, and he's gonna grill you a little bit about what he thinks you're doing, or what you might, what he might might have seen you murder somebody, or whatever the case is. So really, this theme is it's there. Yeah, throughout the whole game, you feel that theme. You know, basically all the places that you go feel like, yeah, you're going to the cemetery. You don't know what you're gonna get there, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Yeah, um, everything you're doing is so thematic for me, at least. It it yeah. really feels like I'm playing that out. Yep. So why don't we uh, start digging up into the gameplay and see how you guys feel about that. Nice. I do like the worker placement aspect of it. You you start the round, I think at the beginning of the game, you get one scientist and then you have a couple assistants. So if you send your scientist, some of the locations you're going to get a better action. So maybe you'll gain a bit of uh, reputation and a card. But if you send your lackey, you're only going to get a card. So there's there's a few action spots like that. I like the the murder spot as well. Gotta love murder. But you can only send your scientist because you don't want your you lackey. Someone else to do. Yeah, that. you don't want to send somebody else to murder. It has to be your scientist. Your lackey's got to know you're doing this. Not that. Maybe not. Are they like Austin Powers lackeys? Are they literally just stupid henchmen? Well, maybe it's so much more of like they know you're doing it, but you don't want to put that on somebody else. What do you care? Like, look at all this evil stuff you're doing and you you have morals? You can go to like the church and you can atone for your sins. Okay. So there's, you know, some things you can do to help bring your hearts back up. And I do like how you, you can only... Kind of makes it where you can only do it twice because the cops catch on to it and stuff <laughs> until you and pay you gotta, them off. You got to pay them off, yeah. or you can't murder anymore. Yeah. Which... So I like all that. I like gaining the different body parts in different stages. Uh, you know, during the city phase, and then you move on to the lab phase, where you're going to be cashing in those body parts or tokens to get, um, you know, an arm or a head. You know, so I, I like that whole process. And I, I do like as well how the the fresher your body parts are, you might if you're using all fresh parts, you might get a little a few more points. Yep. Versus if yep. you have one that's, you know, level four, you're not you know, three and four you're not gonna get as many points. Yeah, for so that. so when you make a body part, it'll tell you on your player board how many points you're gonna get if you use only level ones body or level that freshness of body part. You're gonna score more points. And then also you can get animal parts during the game and you can cash those in. They're basically like a wild resource and they'll get you a little negative if you use 
than when yeah, you're so building a monster. Easier to build so. it, but you lose a little bit. And I, I do like that how that kind of ties in, you know, not just the parts, but you also have a certain amount of expertise to yeah, put yeah, together a, yeah. a head is more, you need more expertise to be able to do that. And, you know, starting the body versus the second phase of it, you need right. more expertise to do that. I think that all kind of makes sense and I enjoy kind of, I'm trying to, I already need to get my expertise up. I need to, you know, get these couple body parts. And if they're really fresh, then I can get more points. You're kind of, you know, making that, mm-hmm. figuring out where you can go to get those things done. Yeah. So that's everything that I like about the game. I like the worker placement. I like, you know, getting all those parts, cashing them in, upgrading my stuff. Now, the things that I don't like. And the biggest thing I don't like is the event and story cards. Now, I don't dislike all of them because some of them are... It tells you how you set up the game. There's a certain number of event cards, and then there's a certain number of story cards that could put in there. So typically, if I remember right, the event cards, they'll affect everyone. So maybe the cops are honing in a little more on the dark alley, so you can't go murder someone this round. So, Which is a real bummer. <laughs> so I like the events that affect everyone. What I really do not like is when an event or a story card basically goes after one player. So it might be, oh, the player with the most humanity has this event happen to him, or you know, the person with the most reputation has this event. I don't like that in games. It's really annoying because you don't know what the event is, um, if it's going to be positive or negative, who it's going to affect. It's completely random. You have no idea. Yeah. I really you can't mitigate it because you don't know what it is. I really do not enjoy that at all. I appreciate what they tried to do with the event cards, but yes. I think it really, really fell flat in practice. I yeah, did I, not enjoy them I agree all. 100%. It fell flat, and, you know, that was one thing I was really interested to see how that played out. Yeah, because, you know, I thought maybe it was something kind of cool like with the crossroads with yeah. that winter you know same company they're trying something like that but it didn't no it didn't work, work at all and yeah. it just so i'd be almost tempted you know next time we play just taking out all the events or all the story cards in there and just playing with the events that affect everyone because that's that's how much i really dislike that it's just just irritating especially for I'll mention, I'm going to be mentioning it later, but for a game of that length and how frustrating that can yeah. be is really... Yeah. Another thing to kind of go with that is the kind of the extreme luck of the, the animation yeah. dice because, you know, someone could roll... I know the first time I rolled, I think I rolled four dice and I got five damage and I lost humanity, whereas, you know, you can roll, you know, the same amount of dice and, you know, animate two body parts and it's such a big difference, you know, so many points for that. And you don't have a ton of rolls, so it's not like overall it's going to get, you know, always even out. It's it'd be huge swings. So if you two people are playing relatively, you know, evenly as far as how they play and you know getting those bodies together, it's going to completely come down to who gets the better dice rolls and someone else. I didn't like how much luck was involved in that aspect of it. Yeah, because you do score quite a bit at the very end of the game when counting points up how many you have animated so yeah. it really i know in our last game i got really lucky and i had one roll where i animated three body parts and then i'm sitting next to aaron who he's notorious for not being able to roll dice 
and he's taken four damage after yeah, damage. three four damage almost every time he rolls so it's like you can't when it's like that and we certainly had that on that play like that you can't overcome that it's yeah. not something and you're I, able to do i do get that you know if you go to um i think it's the college or whatever there's cards that you can use to mitigate those dice yeah. but you almost it's have, still luck though because yeah, it just lets you re-roll it right. doesn't let you set any dice doesn't let you i uh, wish it's a big negative for me is this dice randomness to animate it, with, again with how long the game plays and having that high of randomness and that high a point swing really because yeah, the rest taste. of the game there's not that that well, luck it's a, it's you know, a euro resource like, management game you know exactly like you're going to build the torso you know exactly what parts you need yeah how fresh they have to be to get certain points like everything else is there and when you're getting bodies like some of the cards are face up where you know exactly what you're getting the ones you don't like say you go to the cemetery it makes sense you you kind of have an idea though of what you're going to get on them um that that amount of luck you know as far as what cards you get makes sense and you can always if you need a specific resource you didn't get it there well you should have gone to one of those places where you know what you're going to get that all makes sense and it's not a lot of luck in there but that one part that's such a huge factor Mm -hmm. the take that humanity cards I'm not really sure how I feel about them. You know, it's kind of annoying because it makes sense thematically. You know, you want to go up on that humanity thing. You get those cards, and playing the cards, you get your humanity, and you're also basically doing a take-that action on someone else typically yeah. to, to prevent Michael from going and digging up corpses. Yeah, it makes sense thematically, but it's just blocking. I don't know. It just. I agree. Uh, obviously, I'm not big on take-that stuff. Mm-hmm. So that kind of threw it off when that was in there. And then there was somewhere, there was a cancel card. So if somebody plays a card, you can play yours quickly to cancel it and gain some reputation off of that. It's like, it just never feels, and I've mentioned it before, but it never feels good for the person. Okay, you block me from taking a certain action spot this round. If I know that at the beginning of the round, okay, that's fine. you know. But when you just... Out of the blue, uh, 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 like I, you just wasted that. I, yeah, it's annoying. In a Euro game, like yeah. I don't like it. And again, for me, you know, that goes into the the length of this game and having those cards in there just it bothers me. Mm-hmm. I do really enjoy the resource management of the game. I yep. choosing which dials to advance on. You know, the humanity, reputation, and knowledge. Which ones to go up on and when to go on them during the game is some nice, interesting decisions to make. Yeah, because Aaron and I were, that play we had the other day, Aaron and I were both kind of going for murder in that. Like, it's like, that's my goal. I want to murder someone (laughs) kind of thing, like, when playing. And, like, that hurts your humanity. So you got to, like, all right, so I'm going to lose some reputation if I do it. So I want to build up my humanity a bit before I have this happen and then after I want to build it up so that I can go murder again. Kind of thing. Just, you know, you know, manipulating those tracks. Um, and yeah. we had some end game stuff where if you have the high, you know, if you get to the edge end yeah, of the goals during the game, too yeah, if you get stuff. to the maximum on, you know, reputation to say, so you can see, well, which, which should I go for? Which do I want to really, you know, shoot up on to get those extra 10 points um, for getting that done first? Yeah. So when I played as well, there was the last few rounds was really dragged out for me um i actually played a couple cards to speed up the game because literally what i was doing is probably the last two rounds three rounds that i had played i was all the way up on the expertise um i couldn't move on humanity because of my 
role. I was a psychopath where yeah. I couldn't move up or down. So that track did nothing for me during the game. Yet yeah, it helped me a lot. That's a really powerful ability during the game. I can just go murder mm-hmm. and I don't lose humanity. But I didn't have the option to take the action to advance on that track. So I was all the way up on expertise. Um, all I had to do was move up a little bit on reputation. And then I just had to roll dice to animate. There was nothing else on the board that did anything for me. I didn't need any more resources. I didn't need to make any more body parts. So it was very limited on what action spots I even paid for me to go to. And it wasn't like it was one round. It was a few rounds. And then I just happened to get lucky, and I animated three or four different body parts by a random roll, which that's, like you had mentioned, Michael, that's a ton of points, and say... It didn't feel satisfying because I didn't... Because you just got a lucky roll. That's all you did to earn that. But if I hadn't rolled that, I would have been playing another round or two and just with nothing really to do. All I'm doing is trying to move up on one track and then get cards to mitigate my dice as much as possible. Which the the workers sometimes, especially later in the game, when most of us had... Because you start with the three, either scientists or assistants, but then you had four, and it seemed like that last person you're putting out isn't really doing anything that's really going to help you. Just kind of going to like do something. Like it just feels like there's in the three player game that not enough spots that were useful towards the end, middle of the game, early in the game. Yeah. There's always stuff that's going to help you and do something just late in the game. It didn't feel that way with those last, you know, one or two workers that you had that were going to accomplish anything for Mm -hmm. you. So some things that I would have liked to have seen done different. Obviously, I would have rather not had those event or story cards in there. But as far as more gameplay goes, I would have liked to have seen cards to jumpstart your game, similar to, say, Alchemist or Zulkin, where everyone gets dealt, where you draft a certain number of cards, you pick your starting resources, you move up on certain tracks, because you start with nothing. So that really is a real slow burn playing the game. That would have helped a lot with the... It could have been less rounds as far as how the game felt like it draggy yep. for me. Just having to animate the head, maybe. Uh, maybe you get those points you don't need to have to animate the rest of the body parts, so that helps mitigate the luck of the dice or having to do that. Um, other ways to mitigate the dice, maybe having to spend certain things. Just different ways to do it. Just, it really bothered me with the dice rolls and so much luck on it and how long the game was and how important that was to the game yeah yeah the scoring and with the the length of the game it says like 90 to 180 minutes i 90 minutes i can't imagine a game unless like you'd have to really be just getting those cards to move it along or yeah or someone pushes because at the end or gets lucky and animates maybe as fast as possible i guess but i don't know that it seems you know more like three to four hours, you know, two and a half to four hours for a game versus one and a half. Like, yeah, I, just, I don't, I don't know that I'd want to play this with four at all. And it did definitely feel too long. Like, like you said, like the, you know, getting started, you know, the first couple rounds, it, it weren't doing a, you know, just kind of building stuff up, and then the last ones were. I mean, to me, it felt like it was almost like it was a solid, you know, probably four or five rounds too long. I wish that you know they would have. It just done something that just dragged on for what it is. Yeah, and I know you had mentioned Tim, the designer. Actually, I think he had a couple variants on yep. Board Game Geek and trying to shorten the game length for people who felt that was an issue and some of the mitigation of yeah. the dice rolls. And, stuff. and now I have not looked into that too much yet. It's definitely something I want to because those are my biggest issues. If 
if this game, you know, we shorten it up, we take out the luck, we take out those event cards that just affect one person, this game would be awesome. Yeah, because that was the thing for me. Like, I really, really like a lot of parts of it, but there's some things I really, really don't like with it that... So it was tough for me, and like when we get into rating, it was tough for me to do that because take out a few different things yeah. or just a few things. I'm gonna really, really like this game, but as it is, those things bother me quite a bit. Yeah, and the, yeah, like you said, the things that do bother me in this game really bother me. But I like a lot of it. You know, it's it's at its heart, it's a midweight Euro game. Yep. You know, it's got a lot of theme. Yeah. I, beat it to death already with how long this game is and feels to me and the amount of luck in it it just it's so long for how much of that luck that's just really what it comes down to yeah but yeah during those middle rounds i, I really liked a lot where you're you know getting those resources and you've seen like all right which of these places am i go to am i going to bump someone you know getting some money so i can do that and everything about that i i really liked so yeah. and i think for a lot of people too this might not be an issue at all for them you know just the style of game that we like and enjoy it bothers us more than it might some other people. So yeah, it, the model just felt out of place for this type of a game. Where if it's a different type, then it, I think it would make more sense, at least for yeah, mm -hmm. like you said, our style of game that we enjoy. Okay, so I'll give you a quick update. I'm looking at the official Igor Igor variant. It's for a shorter game. So Ryan, you said you wanted more of a jump start so you do start with two laden jars you start with one leg and one arm so is it the same for everybody yes okay i so i wish i mean that is definitely helps i wish you could have that you start out picking like do, maybe i go up a couple like i get to choose a sort of the so game everyone's maybe I have, different. I have a little more humanity and maybe i got some blood and i miss it i need or you know that type of maybe stuff. you have expertise or maybe you know yeah. like those are an option or something else yeah. i I agree, but th that would definitely help. And then yeah. everyone's uh, reputation starts at four, and then you skip actually four rounds in the game, so it shortens it by four rounds. Okay, and that's about that's what kind of what I was thinking about that much too long for me. Yeah, so. there's there's some other stuff to it, but I'm not going to get into it. Okay. Now. but just as a yeah, it'd be something to try out if we played it again. You know, see how much that would help. Yeah. So do you want to get on to our final ratings? Let's do it. All right. So, Tim, this is one that you picked up. Yep, it's one that I picked up. Obviously, if you know anything about me, I love the theme. I love the dark horror themes of that style. You know, I read the book, like the book a lot. So I was extremely excited to see how it worked because it was the darker style. So the theme was a big plus. The worker placement how that works with it being you get your scientist and you have assistance and then throughout the game you can get more assistance or you can upgrade those assistants to scientists and where you place them you're going to get different bonuses and you're going to be getting different resources throughout the game that's a big plus i like being able to spend those resources for the body parts scoring points depending on how fresh the materials are and all that stuff Again, that's a big plus. But the things that I don't like about the game that we talked about, the events that target one player, the length of a game, I wasn't 
super down on it. Yes, I think it would be a lot better if it's much shorter. So yeah, that's a negative. Then, you know, the dice, how random the dice can be and how swingy that can be, especially for endgame scoring and what you're going to do for that if you're going to damage your monster and all that stuff. So kind of like what you said, Michael, it was kind of a weird rating for me because there was... There was plenty in the game that I really, really liked. Mm -hmm. But then there's stuff that I really, really don't like. So where do I put that? And at the end of the day, I put it right at about a 7 because I liked the positives that much. The negatives hurt it enough where it's like, "Mm, I wish we could change that. And I'm really excited to try out those variants to shorten the game, to change things up. And I'm very hopeful because, like I said, if that, if those can change the game enough to take out everything that I don't like, that take out all the complaints that I've heard about this game, it can be a really good game for me. Yeah, and I, you know, just echo basically everything you said there and all those you know those kind of the same negative things with the you know the luck with animation dice and how important especially because of how important that is for the game you know where real negatives you know the majority of the game i just like so much that that was the disappointing part for me is how much i like some of it and how much it hurt that those negative things were as bad as they were and Mm -hmm. you know if you know if those you know changes do you know will probably affect my rating on it but i want to rate it as as it is how it was designed right. you know what the game is supposed to be played or designed for i agree i probably uh i'm at, at right there with a seven as well and i, I do though want to try it with the those variants um on there so that i mean that could easily get up to you know eight and a half nine if those things are you know, either lessened or kind of fixes those issues that I do have with it. So I think it, you know, because of how thematic it is, and I do like that theme a lot um, in this game, at least. Um, so I think it, it worked pretty well um, for that theme. But it's not, it's one of those games where recommend it for certain people, but know what you're getting into with the game. Um, it's definitely not going to be a game for everyone because of how realistic some of the you know, very me- the macabre part of it is. So yeah. be wary if you're going to, looking in this game make sure it's something that's going to work for you and who you're going to play with mm-hmm. yeah so for me this game kind of feels like jekyll and hyde i think it's trying yeah, to be that's a good one it's two different things and it really doesn't need to do that as the game is as i've played it i'd probably give it you know real close to you guys a seven seven point five um but i don't have the taste in my mouth to play it again you know just the things that i don't like really put me off towards it while I did enjoy parts of it I would like to try it with those variants that hopefully help fix what we yeah. didn't enjoy about the game but as the game was designed and as the game shipped to you I don't really have the desire to play it even though I do give it a pretty decent rating mm. still so that's my thoughts well if that concludes Abomination the Era of Frankenstein Let's move on to our second review, Caverna, The Cave Farmers. 
Caverna the Cave Farmers was designed by Uwe Rosenberg and published by Lookout Games in 2013. It plays 1 to 7 players in 30 to 120 minutes. Caverna is a competitive worker placement game where players play dwarves looking to accumulate the most victory points at the end of 12 rounds to win the game. During the game, players will place their dwarves on different action locations one at a time in turn order until all players have placed all dwarves. There is a plethora of action spaces, but some things you will be doing during the game include developing your cavern to place mines and furnishing tiles, which are basically rooms, gathering resources like wood, stone, ore, and rubies, developing fields and pastures to plant grain and vegetables or raise farm animals. Going on expeditions will give you access to a variety of benefits. Your dwarves will also need to eat throughout the game, and maybe they would like to have an offspring to gain a hand in operations. There's a lot to do in Caverna, or at least a lot you will want to do. The player who best uses what is available to them to garner the most victory points at game's end will win. Caverna? Production. Tell me. I really like the the different resources in that. It's not just you know getting you're not just getting cubes, different colored cubes or anything. You're you're getting you know all those your resources, animals, crops, it, all the animals and stuff. Or yeah, yeah, it's it's an actual sheep, you know, a, a dog, a cow, grain, vegetables, a stone, all that yeah, stuff, the wood, is, everything. Yeah. It's shaped like it is. So I really like that part. Nice of it. chunky pieces. Yeah, so I, I hate to them. jump back, but do you think this would have worked for Abomination? What's that? Having the resources not being cubes, having actually oh, literally a body part, like <laughs> real blood or what? Well, just like you know, wooden body parts. No. Okay. For some of it, it probably would you could because you could have like a little drop of blood for some of it or a little bone. Yeah, yeah. You see but that, the but like for I the muscle, the muscle and... that would have been that one would have been tough for it. And you can't <laughs> just like have one of them not be an organ. You could like just have a, like a little heart or something for all of them or. Yeah. So sorry about that. But <laughs> yeah, I agree. I really like all the the different uh resource meeples and all that stuff. That's really high quality. You know, the boards look good. The action board well, not action board, but uh well yeah. Worker placement board. The, yeah, the worker placement board. I mean everything's really well produced and it looks really good. Yeah, I think Maybe the one complaint I could have would be the uh, your workers, the dwarves. They're just like a plain disc. Um, I get it because yep. you got to put the expedition stuff on yeah, there to show what level hard. they're at. Yeah. So, but what maybe what they could have done is have like the meeple dwarf, and then you get like a little helmet. You put I, on. I knew you were gonna say something <laughs> stupid like that. Like he's got a, he's got a, a shield you insert into yeah. the front of him or something that shows his level. See, I, w- I was just thinking like a helmet. You put a helmet on. It's got a number on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's pretty realistic. You got a number with a seven or a helmet with a seven on yeah. it. <laughs> it shows how strong the helmet is. <laughs> but yeah, I think overall, you know, production quality is real good. Um, yeah. It comes with a ridiculous amount of stuff because. Yep. You could play up to seven players, apparently, <laughs> which we didn't do, which I don't think is a good idea, but we we've, would all I'd still be, like to try talked it. about it, yeah. 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 I'm pretty sure that's going to be too many people, seven, but yeah. like, I'm wondering to see where that limit is as far as when it gets to be too much. Well, we got seven players, and we don't feel like playing Seven Wonders or a filler game, party game. You know, we can try out Caverna. Yeah. 
and play that for five hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Downtown time would <laughs> obviously be way too long, but <laughs> yep. I do like the the art quite a bit. You know, the it gives it a nice, you know, very lighthearted um, kind of feel to it. Yeah, Clemens Franz, he does a lot of the artwork for a lot of these Euro games and a lot of Rosenberg games, and it you know gives it that fun little colorful artwork and yeah. You know, Tim, you had mentioned before there's some of those Easter eggs throughout the game. Like on the, if you flip the board, <laughs> which is almost unplayable to the dark side, it looks yeah. cool. But you got the people making out in the trees and yep. the woods and stuff. Just like little things like that, just yeah. kind of funny. Like the little hearts on like the bad, yep. things. Yeah, it reminds me of um, go back to Fields of Arla, which we talked about before. Like, there's a lot of what those game? things. Fields, Fields of Arla. Of Arla. Oh, okay. Arla. Um, but uh, that had a lot of that stuff too. Um, where there's the different fields. Um, there's a couple of them that had one of them that had is a. Uh, all of them are you know just blank, and then there's one that had a, a crop circle on it. Um, <laughs> one of the dikes on there had a couple, just a couple of old dudes just sitting on it, and just all kinds of little things in the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, get making. Yeah, a lot but of, that, uh, that stuff's always fun to, to check out. Yeah, I always like that. So, how do you guys feel about the theme in this one? Again, as a Euro, you know, like we talked about it with Abomination. I do feel the theme, maybe it's not as strong in that one, but I do feel the theme because, you know, you're dwarves, so, it, you know, Cavern of the Cave Farmer, so you are able to, you know, mine and dig into your cave, make new rooms into your cave, and then also the other half of your board is forest. You can go out there and cut the forest down and basically start, you know, farmland and you're doing farming stuff. You've got animals that you're breeding and moving around and basically making pens for them and all that stuff. So really, you know, for a heavier Euro style game, I do feel the theme a lot. Yeah. I think everything on your player board feels pretty thematic, having the two sections of it and doing different things on them. Um, I didn't like the exploration doesn't really feel like exploration because it's not like you're getting. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, it happened to run into this and get this this time. It's you're picking which things to get. Like, that didn't really f- hit it for me. But and I don't, like, are you are you going out? Are you pillaging? Or are you just finding this stuff? Like, what's, I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on with that either. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah so. that is the biggest abstracted thing of the game. Yeah. By yeah. far. But, yeah, I, I'd agree with you guys. You know, I the f- it gives me a farming feel for sure. And I'm carving out my little... Uh, my little home in the caves, you know, for my dwarves. And I get that feel of running my own little farm and survival and feeding my people and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, there's obviously stuff that abstract from the theme and whatnot. So. Yeah, I agree. It's not, not as thematic as, say, Abomination is. But, but still, for a Euro game, it's, it's more yeah. thematic than a, a typical one. Right. So, Tim, how does the gameplay feel for you? I really enjoy the gameplay. So throughout the game, not all of the actions are available right away. And I really like that each round, a new card's going to flip over and it's going to show you a new action. And they're all, um, not, they're not completely random, but if I remember right, they're like in different stages. So like the, yep. the first few rounds, you you just don't know quite when these action spots are going to open up. Yeah, is it going to be the first, second, or third card? Yeah. Yep. And I really like that because it helps with replayability. I think it helps and new players as well, so they're not as overwhelmed first starting the game. Yeah, when slowly you slowly f- yeah. 
That's more true. Action it spots is come pretty out. overwhelming initially with all those. The furnishing tiles the is what's yeah. overwhelming on that first play. Yeah. It, but again, once you get into it, though, I really like those furnishing tiles because you have so many different options. Mm-hmm. You know, in one of the first games I played, I didn't do any of the exploration. So I didn't build up any of my people. So one of the tiles is you score points if you don't have any weapons. So that's, you know, one way you can go. You don't have to build up your uh, dwarves to get weapons. You can go a peaceful route or you can go, you know, where you're building up yourself in different, um, building up your armament in a way and Mm -hmm. going out and pillaging or finding the stuff whatever the whatever whatever it is is. yeah but i mean that whole thing i really enjoy you know expanding into my cave expanding out into the forest itself and getting creatures and really i don't have really too many negatives with this game if i had to come up with one i would say maybe just the intimidation of all of the stuff in the game yeah, yeah, that first play, because yeah. I know, Ryan, because we played this, you and I played the first time you played it, and I saw that stuff out there, and you mentioned that there was a, a flip side with less furnishing, you know, less buildings or whatever. I definitely, I tried to get you to play it that way, but yeah. you did not allow it. It was a couple times, he's like, well, let's, we're going to play with the less furnishing tiles. And I kept and... flipping them over to that, that side. Yeah, and I'm like, nope, not... we're playing, first game, we're just playing with everything. Yep, which is probably you know good because then the second play you know is better. Like because I didn't, I was like, well the dwellings because I want to get an extra another um, dwarf in that. But for the most part, most of those um, furnishings, I I didn't even look at a lot of them. It's like, well, I just eh, I'm not gonna do any of those those things. Like I'll just worry about this and then. But the next game, then I really wanted to play with those. I wa- wanted to do. Someone was like, oh, that one would be really cool to do that. Yeah. By the end of the game, and that. It's one of the things I. I think it's interesting with the game is the workers. So you start out with two, and you, um, you can get up to five. One player has a chance to get a six dwarf. If you get that furnishing tile, right? Yep, yep. and there's only one six yep. dwarf in the game. What I think is interesting is, yeah, typically you're going to want three or four workers, but it's not easy at all getting that extra worker. You need to get the resources. You need to build the dwelling. You need to take the action spot. To build that dwelling mm-hmm. and get the then you got worker feed and feed more. It's it's an interesting decision because it's going to be a while until you get that third worker, yeah. and you think you weigh. Yeah, I want them. When do I want them? When do I maybe want to go for that fourth one? Do I want to go for a fifth one or not? It's it's not just well. I need to get workers. I need to get workers. It's super easy. Like a lot of those games, it's just a work spot like to that. get a worker. Yeah, yeah, it's not that. One thing I like too is that you can be competitive just with two workers, or at least I felt competitive mm-hmm. when I when I first played. I was absolutely not going to go for more workers. I was just going to stick with the two, and I still felt like I did pretty well compared to other players that were getting their mm-hmm. third or fourth worker. Yeah, because it really is a game of tons of options you can go heavy with crops you go heavy with animals building stuff you know getting mines mm-hmm. you can go heavy in exploration you can or you cannot you know get extra workers and i feel like if you do it well like you can be competitive doing or not doing you know all those different things there's been so many times playing too where i'm like okay i'm gonna go and get uh 
the stone and ore. I'm going to go and get uh, those donkeys. But I'm like, well, maybe I'll wait one more round, you know. And then I'll, I'll, Michael went there and grabbed it all. And it's like, damn it. I should have went there. But yeah. you're like, take that, you know, push your luck thing up. Can you wait another round? And don't think anyone else is going to end up going there to take that stuff. Yeah, like be, that. Because how, yeah, how that works is, you know, each round, you know, there's another... There's a spot with with wood now. There's an extra wood on there this time, or there's an extra sheep on the spot. Yeah, everything so accumulates everything on gets the action little, spaces. So it's more like, like you said, the push your luck. We're like, well, if I wait, I'll get one more ruby next time. <laughs> but is someone else going to take it? So you're kind of deciding, well, yeah. which of these things do I want to prioritize and do now? Um, and some of those spots, like, well, I wasn't really going to get this, but there's just so much of it there that gets really tempting. As more of that stuff builds and up, and it's on there. tough though because sometimes you might want to wait too because you need building those buildings. You know, it it takes effort. It's not just mm-hmm. I get to build this easily, mm-hmm. and you want to also build buildings that help you during the game. But then there's those end game scoring ones and getting more dwarves and all that. Um, I think the game is actually easy to learn and play. It has that overwhelming feel right away with all the furnishing yeah. tiles. But once you actually get into it kind of like his other games you play a few rounds it really this one especially compared to the other ones really makes sense you know makes sense thematically how the farming how the animals work and how like as far as breeding them and then the crops the only confusing part with the animals that's a little fiddly is okay how do sheep work because they have a little special thing where they can actually go on the pastures oh, okay, yeah, with yeah, the yeah, dogs the, dog, yeah. the uh, donkeys can be in the mines and you can have boars can be just on a regular, not a tile, just a regular game board in a forest with a hut or whatever. So just little things like that that throw you off a little bit. You kind of have to ask, how's that work again? Mm-hmm. I really like the gems or the rubies in the game a lot. They give those yep. free anytime action thing as far as just getting stuff that you really need. Yeah, because it, it helps with if you're trying to get something specific. So like, oh, I can't go to this... I need to wait one more so I have enough stone to do this. So you have to wait. Well, if you've gotten some rubies, then you don't have to try to push your luck and wait an extra round to, to get some of those things. But you could also ignore the rubies yeah. um, and not get any and still do just fine. But they do help if you have them. I think all the different things you can do with those really added a nice touch to the game. And you can play yep. your dwarves out of order with them. I like the adventuring aspect of it a lot that's that's fun you know, it, yeah it doesn't feel thematic at all but it's fun to do and leveling them up and getting opening up new doors for new things i enjoy all basically three aspects of the game with uh, adventuring or expeditions the left side of your board with the farming and the fields and the animals and the right side with the, the mines and the furnishing tiles i like all three of those a lot whether you specialize in one of them kind of combo stuff together i just find the game is a lot of fun for me playing it yeah absolutely and i you know like you said the the expedition that's a lot of fun because there's so many like you're getting your guys leveling up and getting more powerful you can get better things every time you're doing it and it keeps you know gives you more options more diverse things you can get you're not just getting just get up go to this spot and get a pile of wood well i'm getting you know maybe a little bit of wood you know a little bit of um you know getting a um, some crops or you know whatever you're going to be getting it's, it gives you some more diversity with that one spot but 
like I said, all the different things. I just want to do all those different things and like, all right, I got to focus. I can't do everything every game. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, this time I'm going to go heavy with the animals and I'm going to do the exploration, you know, picking kind of what you want to do with that. I think some cons could be, obviously, I haven't done it yet, but playing with the full player count or close to that could be a problem. Yeah. Um, the setup time, if I didn't have that insert, that would really make the game less accessible to me is all those pieces all over everywhere you have the broken token insert which is great it has all the tiles all the resources in containers you're ready to go right on the table so it's like boom it's already set up um furnishing tiles your first game or two we talked about that those could definitely feel overwhelming the long term i probably would like more furnishing tiles or maybe swap some in and out but there is so many of them so there's so many different options to go for for me none of that stuff is really a negative but i could definitely see it being an issue i could definitely see the setup time being an issue if Without i didn't have that insert yeah. get all baggies and yeah yeah another one that it isn't like for me it's not a negative but one where you're you're working on a strategy like all right so i'm gonna i want to get these things so if i can get this then i'll get this furnishing card and you're kind of so that they work well together, but then you, you're seventy five percent. You almost got everything. You just need to get that tile, and someone takes it right before it you. It is always it's tense. Like you're, you're seeing what other people are going for, and you think, okay, maybe I'm safe. And all of a sudden, they buy that furnishing tile, and you just <laughs> you want to just kind of sock them a little bit. Take your little level twelve dwarf over there with his helmet on and <laughs> yep. start beating his head in. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but you can. And every time it, it seems like, you know, there's something you want to do that someone else does. Like, it's like, oh, that sucks. But there's always something else you can then there's do. There's always another that's good option. also good. Like, yeah. all right, well, I couldn't get that one. That sucks. But you know what? I can still do that. That's why for me, it's still not a negative mm. because like, all right, well, I'll just do this other fun thing, this cool yeah. thing I can I can still do. Or you could like, well, I guess maybe I should have gotten that last time. That's my own fault kind of thing. So, Ryan. Tim. This is your game. Yep. With your insert in it. <laughs> it's not yeah. someone else's insert that you have in there? Correct. I got my insert <laughs> inserted into the game. Yes. So, with that being said, what are your final thoughts on Caverna? Well, I think there's two different things I'd like to talk about here. Um, I think it was a travesty. It took me this long I would agree. to get this game yep. played. I would took, agree. I want to say... At least two, possibly three years. Because you got it for me as a birthday gift. Yep. And I want to say it might have been three years ago. It might have been. It I don't just started playing like, like a few months ago. It was pretty. Yeah. First time. I'm pretty pissed about that. <laughs> I was really excited, you know, obviously to get it for you for your birthday. And there it sat. And there it sat. <laughs> uh, it sat some more. And that sat some more. So it, it actually had a shelf of shame all on its own, pretty much. It was like a black cloud just over my collection, I guess. And it did. And it seemed like any time you mentioned that it was on your shelf of shame, someone would get just twist that knife a mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. But uh now playing it, I really enjoy it. I like the different strategies and combos that you can go with or pull off in the game. I think the game is just pure fun for me, and I would give it a solid eight point five. I would agree with most of that, Ryan. I think that it was a disservice to our group for you to not pick it sooner than you did because it's such a... You could have picked it. That would have forced me to 
I tried to. <laughs> so it's still on you. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's fair. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, you earned this one, Ryan. <laughs> you earned the hatred. <laughs> but really, I mean, gameplay-wise, it's everything that I want in a worker placement style game. It's got a ton of options for you to do. It's got a ton of spaces to go. And yes, it can look overwhelming when you first get into it, but really it's not that overwhelming. It's, you know, pretty straightforward once you get into it and you start to understand what your actions can be and how those work and then also how those furnishing tiles work and what they can do for you. And really, it's just a beautiful game for me. And the only thing I disagree with you is your rating, <laughs> because I rated it a nine. Right? Yeah, it, it's it's just we talked about fun earlier. Like this is a fun game for me. Like everything you're doing is fun. I I love all the different strategies of whatever you're going to go heavy in that time. You know, all the different actions are a fun place to go. And there's still, it's really tense because like, all right, I need to go to these two different spots. Which one should I go to first? You know, which one I think, you know, well, they're less likely to go to this other one, so I'll go here. Oh, they took it. But like that tenseness, I really like that. And it never is like so debilitating when you can't do it. Um, yeah. And yeah, just the the fun and the the overwhelmingness. Like, like I said, the only thing that really in that first play that once you get into it, those furnishings are going to take you a, a play or two to, to kind of get all those down. But besides that, for how heavy it looks, um, it's kind of easy to get into. And, yeah, just love this game. You know, every time I play it, love it. And, yeah, I'm going to disagree with Ryan on his 8.5. I'm going to go with Tim. I'm going to go with a 9. Nice. Concordia connection again here or what? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, not only is it a Concordia connection, it's like a dominant species connection because – Every time yeah. we play, it seems like we tie. We get the same exact score uh, every guys, time we play that game. You guys could be the human sentai pad. <laughs> we <laughs> we knocked it out of the park last episode with recent plays. So oh, that was, to, that was the best. Whose mouth do you want me to sew to whose ass here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be the A. <laughs> so if that sews up our review of Caverna, <laughs> let's move on to the Board Game Geek Top 250 Games. So, <laughs> Ryan... Why don't you kick us off with 150? All right. So we started this list. Uh, we freeze-framed the top 250 on August 9th of this year, and we're going through the list. So number 150 here is Ra. Ra. So that is a game designed by Reiner Knizia, and that is an older game. I think it's about 20 years old now. It's, yeah, it's 99. Okay. Yeah, this is uh, one of – he's got a lot of games out there. This is one of his that I would like to try out. And it's kind of like – it's a – medium light type game um, with some auction and set collection. Now, I'm not big on auctions, but some games do do it well for me. Yeah, because each player has um, four different bidding tokens, and when you bid, you kind of you lose one and you get the one from the middle um, kind of thing, so you're, you're bidding on different um, tiles that come up. You know, there can be you know, more or less, you know, there could be three tiles out there. There could be six. I mean, there's different amounts of tiles, and everybody can can bid once on once all the the tiles are out that you're gonna bid on. There's different um, kinds of t tokens that score different ways. Some you keep, some you don't. The game spans oh. fifteen hundred years in less than an hour. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
Um, but it seems like one there's enough strategy and and to it. So yeah, I was, I'd be interested in in playing this one. It's not the you know top of my list here, but no, it's an interesting foreign auctioning game. And I'm always skeptical of auction games, but I've heard that this is a good one. So yeah, yeah it looked interesting. So if I saw right, basically on your turn you can pull a tile out to add to the auction, or you can either trigger the auction. Or, I mean, the auction can be triggered as well if you draw a certain tile, so it can automatically happen, or you can decide to do it on your turn. Yeah, okay. Do that. Yeah, I, no, believe, look, I believe. Yeah, it looks uh, interesting, kind of a simple auction game, so. Yeah. Enough going on, though, seems like. So that's going to raise us up to 149, and that is Tricarion Legends of Illusion. We've talked about this game in depth in a review. What? I'm just waiting for you to bash it. <laughs> do, you, do you want me to? It's up to you. Yeah, you can talk about how you hate it now. I don't hate hate it. <laughs> Our last play was really bad, though. I'll say that. I loved it. I disagree with you. Well, that doesn't surprise me, because I know you love it. But I set tricks up. I had two of them on one, and basically, Ryan, you played a card that moved my tricks to a different theater. I was able to move the actual theater card itself. Oh, okay. Because you weren't performing that right. turn. Yep. Because I basically set myself up to prep two tricks, and then I was going to perform them the next turn. turn. Yep. And you were able to swap them. So the my the one theater with my tricks on it was at the end. So then they just fell off. So what I was building to for like two or three turns was just wiped out. I don't know if it was two or three turns. But it was it was, uh, it was pretty funny because I like saw the card and I like looked and I saw Marv was performing and you happened not to be performing mm -hmm. this round. I'm like, yeah, he's gonna get pissed. But yeah, so again, there's like one of those like, oh, here's a take that card. I'm gonna do this just to screw you. But you did know, or you should have known that I had picked that card up during the game. No, I knew. I guess I didn't realize quite how it worked, and it was just like... But yeah, I can understand. It caught you off guard, so it caught you by surprise there. Yeah, and those are the ones that are the most irritating. It's like They sting. Yeah. In this so, game, there is a lot of... you got to. It takes a lot to set things up. you got to set up a lot of things, and a lot yeah. of things got to come together to be able to, to do those tricks and stuff, so I could see how that would... So you get my hurt. pain. I understand, See, Michael yeah. gets me. He gets it. I still like the game, though. <laughs> <laughs> but I have—I I just have like a love-hate relationship. I, I, there's some games where I played, I was like, oh, I really like it. I know I've said before I don't like the dice that are used for the market. You know, I don't like those and how those work, but everything else I've liked. That's something that I really enjoy as and, well. <laughs> and now the last play we had, there was something else I don't like about it. So I just worry that it's peaked and now it's starting to go down. Plummeting. Yeah. Yeah. It's I really like the uh, simultaneous card placement. I think that's that's pretty cool and fun. Programmed work placement yeah. type yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's for me there's nothing real negative for me at all. Um, maybe the game length a little bit, but if everybody has played before and knows what they're doing, that's really not an issue. But teaching the game the first time to somebody really adds to the game length because there is a lot you have to explain to somebody to understand yep. how the game works, especially the tricks and performing them and setting them up and all that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, and there's a there's a lot going on in the game, but it's one of those that feels very rewarding when you can pull that stuff off because of how long it took to prepare all the stuff, you know, get all these resources. 
do all these things. It feels good when you pull stuff off. Yeah, sure. getting setting yourself up to and you get those level like the last game we played. I actually got two of those level thirty six or level three tricks and got a load of points off them. That felt really good. And co- you can really combo stuff in this game with the dark alley. Um, it feels really satisfying to do that. And there's a lot of ways to mitigate different things like the dice, especially with those cards. But the more I play it, the more I dislike the dark alley. Yeah, the more I that for me the dark alley makes the game like it, with that interaction that it does and the combos that you can pull off and just seeing how things work and when you should play things to work with other things to get those massive boons is what I really enjoy. All right, should we move on to number one forty eight? Yes, please. All right, that is Viticulture by designed by Jamie Stegmeyer and Alan Stone and Stonemeyer Games. Came out in I believe 2013, if I'm not mistaken. This game we've all played, talked about it several different times, but excellent worker placement game. And I think my favorite thing about it is the that grande worker that with that's with the expansion. But I think you need to need to play with that. That's just you know keeps those options open. It's really really cool uh, little addition there. Yeah, I would say you definitely need to play with Tuscany. Yep, Michael, not just grande. <laughs> But yeah, is there some sort of of uh, divide going on here between you two? No, I I agree. agree. We just oh, I didn't know if you're centipeded up again or yeah, oh yeah, you're sewn up. We're eight legged all the way. (laughs) So I would yeah, I I I just agree with Michael that I shouldn't even have to say it anymore. (laughs) Yeah, my guess for me, I do really enjoy the game. Um, Maybe it's Trick Carry on Mini for you, Tim, where. I do like the game less than I used to. It's slowly dropping for me, but I still do enjoy it. And I guess the biggest downfall for me is it kind of feels scripted the first two, three years I'm playing the game, but it's still one I like. Number 147 is Ticket to Ride. Uh, to a lot of people, this is the intro game to get people into board gaming. I think it's a decent game. I did get it pretty early on. Play it here and there. I really don't play it much anymore, but I played it here and there. I never really got into it that much, though. The biggest thing I didn't like was at the end of the game, you're just drawing these objectives, and maybe you had completed these routes. But, yeah, I mean, that's my biggest negative of the game. But it's a light game, you know. I'm mm-hmm. going to play this with newer gamers, so it's not really an issue. Yeah. Not a big issue. Yeah, yeah and we – actually, on this list, we're going to see – my preferred map mm-hmm. later on. Um, oh, okay. So, you know, I have not played all of the maps or variants to it. It's a game that I do like. My wife and I play it from time to time. We haven't played it in quite a while, but it's one that I do like, and it's, you know, it's good, but it's not like, hey, I'm thinking about playing this game all the time. You know what I mean? It's one of those, yeah. you know. And I actually have not played this, um, but it looks like a like I said a good intro game. Yeah, it, it definitely one I would. Again, it's fine. It's yeah, just not. I, I would definitely play it. It's not. I have nothing against it. Just haven't played it, but it, it does seem like it'd be a good intro game. Yeah, I for do. People. I'm not, no longer at that intro phase, so I don't yeah, need to play it's, it. I feel it's a little too hyped. I think. too popular. Yeah, but I get it. People love trains, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Well, that brings us to 146, the princess, princess, princes, the princes, <laughs> the princes of Florence, the princes of Florence. 
There we go. Yep, it's a prince. <laughs> if I don't. Plural prince. Uh, so what I've seen, I've not played this. It's a tile placement game. Older game. Older. By yes. Wolfgang Kramer and some other people. Yeah, the Richard yeah. and Jens Ulrich. Ah, yes. The Ulrich. Ooh, I'm going to say yeah. brothers, even though I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go with brothers, yep. <laughs> They're brothers. The Ulrich duo <laughs> teamed up with Wolfgang Kramer. Yeah, I definitely, you know, it's an ugly game. Yes. Uh, I would really like to try it out, though. It's kind of one of those classical Euro games, kind of like that nice, solid midweight game where, Tim, I think you would enjoy it if you can get over the aesthetic look of the game. Yeah, it looks bad. <laughs> but, I mean, bad as in, you know, just graphically. It's boring. It it's, looks really it's, boring. Yeah. It looks really dry and ugly, yes. Yeah, and there's an initial, I know there's an initial auction phase where there's like seven different things that you can get um and then i believe an action phase is that right ryan yeah where you can take you know there's a couple different um you can build buildings and or buy buildings or cards um complete a work which gives you money and points um it's, yeah, it's one of those where there's a lot yeah, of ways to score profession cards and stuff like that yeah there's a lot of uh i've heard nothing but good things about the game where I would, I really want to try it out sometime, you know, from one of the libraries at a convention or something oh, like yeah. that. I don't think yeah. it's gonna be something that I like love, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't high on my list of I'd be fine to never play it. But I mean, I would. It didn't look like oh, I'm gonna hate this game, but it, it didn't really call to me. I yeah. guess. Biggest but, thing or that, there's probably the aesthetics though. Biggest thing bit. that surprised me is how the game looks boring, but they have like six different people listed as an artist. <laughs> Took six different people to come up with that. <laughs> what? Yeah. Anyways, what do you got for one forty-five, Michael? One forty-five is, I believe it's Zia. Zaya. Zaya. What are you? Yeah, I said it's Zaya. Is that German too? It's Zaya. <laughs> Legends of a Drift System. It's not German, so I don't know how to pronounce all oh, those words correctly because okay. it's not German. Yeah. But it's a space game um, where you can be. You could be kind of more of a lawful trader. You're buying, selling goods on planets, or you can be a little more unlawful where you're going to these bad planets to get goods or attacking other ships. You're trying to... There's different games that you're trying... Or not games, um, different goals that you're trying to accomplish. Everybody has a different ships um, that you have. And there's spots for, like, engines, blasters, shields, kind of cargo. You're kind of trying to Tetris these different things into it upgrade the ships explore new tiles things like that it's definitely one i've been interested in a while the only thing that concerns me is if you get a couple players that are just straight attacking everyone constantly if you're like trying to like shuttle stuff back and forth and you're just getting blasted constantly because one thing i saw was that if you if your ship does get destroyed you lose a turn as well when you're coming back so i not quite sure how I feel about that. Maybe playing it, it won't be so bad, and might be, you know, something I'm into. But uh, one I want to try. Yeah, the, the part that looked interesting to me was the, you know, going going to these different planets and delivering goods, things like that. The that seems fun. Pick yeah, up and deliver stuff. Like yeah, that. I liked that part of it. You know, with the space theme, I think that's that helps for me. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how I would feel about the game overall, though. I might like the the different, you know, being lawful or more unlawful attacking, because I kind of like being able to approach things in a different way in a game. But is it going to be like you said, Tim? Like a little more 
to take that or you know yeah negative negatively that way I, I don't know yeah this is one of those games that could really go either way for me and i wouldn't know until i play it you know i don't mm-hmm, typically yeah. like that sandboxy stuff but some games do do it well for me and i enjoy that um i'm not big on the pick up and deliver but again there are some games where it do it well for me but it's not i find typically i find the pick up and deliver stuff more boring or more scripted feeling but some games yeah. do do it right um i think the game looks great so when tim presents it to me i would try it and i really don't know until i play it how i would feel on this one just because it's space theme, you think I'm going to get it? Space theme, and it looks good, yeah, so I figure you end up picking it up. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the the pickup and deliver for me, because it's a space theme, is why that's interesting for me here. So I think theme is a big part of it, why I'm yeah. at least somewhat interested, but a little on the fence about and it. And you know, Michael, once again, we're... Just got that connection that going That space today. theme, you're right like, there. Not just I like space either. too, guys. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so number 144 is a game I have not played. Uh, That is Steam. That is by Martin Wallace. So there's a few different versions or takes on the game, and one of them will be on later in the list. Um, There's a whole debacle. It sounds like it was settled or semi-settled. We don't really want to get into that. We're going to get into the gameplay on this. So Steam is a train game. You're delivering goods, so it's a lot of that pick up and deliver type thing you're building tracks uh, making your trains better um, trying to get the most profitable deliveries different things doesn't look the best you're right but it is one i would like to try um it's kind of that same thing with zaya for me where i might actually really like the game but it might fall flat for me as well now tim's probably thinking 18xx with this but don't i know it's not it looks like it i mean as far as you know graphically place placing yeah and it's a train game so really shares there's no shares though that's the biggest like i could see it being kind of like an introduction for someone who wanted to get into those 18xx but but i don't want to get into those yeah but it's it's very much not because there's no shares you know not owning Mm. Those trying to screw people over with that. I mean, there can be some interaction, I guess, with the tile placement. I guess um, I believe there's two versions where you can either play, a, you know, a easier or or a more complex version with auctioning. So two different ways you can play it. It, I don't know. I'll try it. You like brass? I did, but that has a totally different feel, like mechanically and just yeah. But it's one of his <laughs> that I would like to try out. Where like brass wasn't something typically i would look into obviously the revamped version from roxley games and how nice yeah. it looks helped but it is a drier more complex game you know it's kind of that same weight range i feel steam is as brass where it's like that medium heavy type game but i might not enjoy it so it's one i haven't picked up yeah if you get it i'll play it but i'm gonna be worried about if i not going to be happy about it. Yeah, because <laughs> just what I've looked into, it makes me think that I'm not going to like it, but I could be wrong. So we'll see. I don't know. That chugs us along to 143, and that is Decrypto. It is a party-style team game where you're basically giving clues to words, and you're trying to not get the other team to be able to guess what your words are, from what I've seen. I have not yeah. played it. 
almost had a feel of like code names. Kind of talking cryptic and yeah, yeah, like you want to give a a hint on this one, like but you don't want to give your it team. too good. Yeah, because then the mm-hmm. other team, like in the starting the second round, they can guess as well. Like your team is guessing based knowing what the different words are that you could be hinting at. The other team doesn't know that, so like they have an advantage. But like if you give too obvious a hints, they're gonna figure it out, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. For a party game, it looks you know, interesting. One that I'd like to like to give a give it a shot sometime. Yeah, if some guy with a trench coat, you know, <laughs> opened it up and. Uh, <laughs> Showed me explain how to play to crypto. We had six, seven people. I'd play it. Nothing I'm itching to try, but I'd, I'd try it out. We get number 142 is This War of Mine, the board game. And it's called that because I believe it is based off of a computer game. It yep. is. And this is a board game. So they called it the board game. Don't be confused. Yeah, don't confuse this with the app. Yeah, this is not number 142, This War of Mine, the computer game. Right. <laughs> Thanks for that <laughs> clarification. <Yep. laughs> Everyone is very thankful, I believe, that you mentioned that. Yeah. So it is a game that I own. Yep. I've played with Ryan. Yep. Michael, I don't think you've played it. I have not played it. It has a very dark theme. So basically what you are doing is you're tr- you are a and civilian. The theme does come through on this. It does. So you're a civilian, and you're trying to survive a town or a city that is under siege during a war. And... It feels like it. You have three survivors, and you basically start in this little bombed-out house, and you're building it up. You're building different items for your house and kind of searching through rubble, doing different stuff like that. And then the next phase of the game, you're sending... You can send people on... You could send them out to, like, search different areas in the city to try to get different resources, get different food and water for your people. And then you basically where the theme really comes out is you have this book of scripts. So it's just this big, I, I don't even know how many pages or how many different scripts are in there, but different things will happen to your characters during the game. So you're going to lose morale. You're going to lose food so you can't eat. So you're going to get depressed and like different stuff happens in the game. And it is a different style of game as well because like when Ryan and I were playing, we have three survivors, but it's not like you play a survivor. The two of us controlled the group. So we decide okay. what the group's going to do. It's different in that aspect, but it just, it works. Okay. I, I wouldn't want to play it with a big player count, you know, two, maybe three, you know, plays well as solo as well. It's a very hard game. I think in the game we played, Ryan, I think in one turn, we had one guy get, like, shot by some soldiers. He came back because he got mugged and didn't have anything left, so everyone starved. One guy ran away because he didn't have cigarettes. Well, I remember. The, well, I thought the one guy killed himself because he didn't have smokes or something Maybe that like was that. it, yeah, because yeah. yeah. he was too depressed because everyone has their own benefits and then negatives. So one guy was into smoking. So when he didn't get his cigarettes, his morale would drop. And then when his morale dropped, okay. so you, when it drops to the bottom level, you draw a token and it tells you where to go. Just like so many random things can happen to you. And the theme just comes through. And it's, like I said, it's very dark. When I kind of looked at it, it almost looked like a game where you, you almost approach it like 
less as a board game, more as kind of an experience to kind of feel yeah, like. Yeah, I would agree that to, you know you have to you'd have to I think be in the right kind of mood to play this game. Yeah, you know, and, and that so. Yeah, it's definitely an experience game, and you really feel for these people and what they had to go through, and it makes you think like. For us personally, how lucky we are to not have to have had something like that happen. Yeah, I would agree. It's set in like basically Eastern Europe, you know, basically modern times, mm-hmm. you know, Eastern Europe, you know, and how to, you know, depressing and going through a war would be and that kind of thing. So it, it, it's one I'm, you know, interested in playing, you know, in not when I'm not feeling like a nice, lighthearted, fun yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, and as a game, it is still a good game as mm-hmm. well. So, okay. yeah. Number 141. Now, Tim, keep your knickers on. I know this is a game you really enjoy and a theme you really like. Uh, that is Legendary, a Marvel deck building game. There is others I like better in this Legendary series. I think Alien captures its theme much better and the gameplay is more interesting. I'm also not big on a deck building game, so I'm going to slide this over to you. I would agree with you that the theme for the legendary encounter games or they do come through better but because i'm big on the theme on this one i like how it works and you know i got a bunch of expansions for it so i could pretty much play it unlimited without even getting any more and i don't have everything for it either i would disagree for me i would not be able to play this unlimited i know i'm i'm talking about (laughs) myself right (laughs) Maybe Michael would agree with me, but... Might have that connection going. <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it definitely is. It's my favorite deck building game. So it's a theme I like. It just, it does a lot of things right. You know, I can play it solo. I can play with my wife. I can play with certain people in our gaming group, and they'll like it. I'll still play and, it. Yeah. It's not like I hate the game or anything, but... Okay. I, I have not played it, but the theme... It's very, you know, that interests me you know, quite a bit, the Marvel theme. Um, so that that's why I would probably pick this one because I haven't played any of those, uh, the legendary games. But okay. this is one that probably the theme-wise I'm most interested in. I know you said the theme doesn't come out quite as much as the for Aliens. Yeah, but. and really the only reason why the Aliens and the Predator comes out more is because it has story cards or... You well, have I like, feel the yeah. tension when I'm playing aliens like you have your role and just different things like that where yeah Marvel there's a <laughs> didn't do anything as far as theme like just some stuff's moving down a path yeah you're trying to fight the bad guys as they fight their way through the city yeah I know. and they're just... capturing bystanders and bystanders yeah it's just <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd play it oh man michael you came <laughs> through again you'd play it i'd play it too i don't <laughs> Yeah, it's I'm probably would... more interested in the theme than you are, Ryan. I'm guessing. So yeah, probably the, part of it. I mean, I'll, I don't care a whole lot about a theme of a game. Just the gameplay. It's a deck building game where just a straight deck building game doesn't really do a whole lot for me. Okay. And then the playing, like it's a cooperative game, but then you add up your points at the end, and then there's one technically ultimate winner. That part just kind of felt. Pick one or the other. You don't have to play with it. I know, but it's just like... Gives you the option. Okay. I thought it just... You said in the rules, it was just just technically a winner. You add up the points at the end. I mean, we can always just... Yeah. Let's not count up. But why not? You got to see who's the best hero, who put put the best group together. 
It's like they're all using like the same. You can all use the same group. Yeah, but you can't always get the same cards. <laughs> okay, so I have four different Captain Americas, and you got three different ones. Well, they do different. They don't. They don't score you the points. It's the the bad guys you knock out. They're they're yeah. the ones that score you the points. Well, you said get the best group together. Yeah, the best group to take out these villains. Okay. <laughs> Just trying to grab at what the theme really is. Okay. Well, Michael agrees with me. <laughs> Dude, I haven't played it yet. I don't know that, it, that I do. Yeah, if you like a straight deck building game, this is definitely one to try out with a theme that appeals to a lot of people. Yeah. So 140 is Go. It is an abstract game. Basically, you're placing marbles onto a board to try to encircle other people's marbles. Yep. Claim territory. It's, yeah, a, it's a relatively old game. Is it like 4,000 years old or it's, something like that? Mm, like yeah. Oldest or one of the oldest games there is and one of the most highly regarded abstract games for how simple it is and how much depth and strategy there is to the game. Um, I've played it years ago a few times. I did enjoy it but that's not really my style anymore. But I can definitely see this is like a lifestyle game for a lot of people, especially in the Western, especially in Asia and stuff, and around here. I can certainly appreciate people really get into into the game. Yep, looks like there's... To get really good at it would take a long, long time to to get the strategy down to play this game well. Mm -hmm. So I get how that could be a thing. I've not played it. It's one that I'm surprised Aaron hasn't gotten yet. Well, he doesn't like chess. He probably went like this. He doesn't like the traditional abstracts. Oh, yeah, maybe. He wants it with a theme is pasted on, maybe. Well, although the gift games, there is no theme. You're like... That's, yeah, zero. Yeah. There's negative theme. They don't even try. Mm-hmm. Nope. I don't know. I'd, if a trench coat guy came up to me... <laughs> With this game, I would maybe try it. That's a rigging endorsement. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, we got number 139. Tim, it's by GMT Games. Yep. Um, it's Sekigahara, The Unification of Japan. Picking this one up, Tim? Am I? Yeah. I've always wanted to try it. Okay. So it's a two-player block war game. Yeah, it's one I've wanted to try for quite a while. And I think how the battling works is you're... Basically, you play a card that matches one of the blocks in your unit or yep. group, and then your opponent plays a card. So you keep playing back and forth, and then on, you can play cards that threaten loyalty. So yep. if you don't play a card that matches a card you just played, that unit basically turncoat and switches to the other side. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, so the the and you don't know what. The other, you, know, you just see that they have so many blocks and yeah. you have so many cards, so you don't know. I think the, I'm not sure what I'll think about the, um, the battling of it. If if that's something I would enjoy when playing it, I think I would like that game. But I'm I'm uncertain until I would play it. I'm not sure how I would feel about that, you know, because you know I could see that being pretty fun because you you're kind of in the dark with what that other person has. Like you're worried, you know, you're always maybe you're always going to think, oh, they got the cards, but. Chances are they probably don't have all the cards that they need to to use their big stack of stuff. So, yeah. But it, it looked kind of yeah, kind of an interesting one. I'd like to give it a try, and I'm just uncertain how I'll feel about it with that with that you know, kind of a unique battling right. system. Yeah, I would say I'm indifferent on it. It could go one way or the other. I could see it going one way more than the other. 
but uh, one number one thirty eight is Nemesis. Um, that is basically Aliens the board game. Mm-hmm. The thing that concerns me about this is while the production quality is outstanding, I've heard the rule book is very messy, but there is player elimination. Yeah. So you could be sitting there for quite a while watching everyone else have fun. Yeah, and and it's not a quick game either. Right. It's definitely one I'm into the theme, so I've been interested in it. I think it looks cool. I like the miniatures, you know, the boards, kind of like the dark ship. You don't know, quite know where everything is, and then you got to, like, explore and flip the tiles. Mm-hmm. But with it being really high on the luck factor, and if you can get eliminated early on, that's real negative for me. So I'd like to try it, but I don't quite know how I feel about it. Yeah, with the semi-cooperative thing, I think because I believe you have each person has a uh, two goal cards. Like you either have one that's good for the group, or one that's kind of your own thing. Where this person has, yeah, you know, this person has to die, or maybe certain you, yeah, maybe you want to blow up the ship, or maybe you want to just yep, different things. You gotta you know escape in a different way because you can escape in either uh, on the ship or in the escape pods. You might have to do it a certain way, like because those can be fairly mean. Like you said, you know, sitting out for 45 minutes because you got eliminated doesn't seem like a ton of fun there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's like, eh, it looks like it's fine, but... Eh. And the tiles come out totally randomly, which is a good thing to keep the variety up, but then, you know, your goal might come up real close to you where someone else's goal is seven tiles away where it's yeah. kind of like, okay, you know, that person's screwed you and you're yeah. right there able to accomplish your goal. So that brings us to 137, Targi. It is a two-player game. Uh, there's a kind of a grid in front of the players, and you're placing your meeples out, and you're doing actions on those cards, if I saw right. Yeah, you can't place it where someone else did, and you kind of go in a row or, row or column after everyone places their meeples out and take actions, and you might get some cards, some stuff in the center based upon... Yeah, so the the five by five grid you can't place in the corners, and you have to place on the outside. You can't place in the corners, and you can't place either where someone did or directly opposite that. So there's twelve spots that you can go, and one of those is going to be covered. So yeah, based on where you play, there's going to be those nine. If you think of a five by five grid, the nine places on the center, those are going to be if you intersect with your your placement. Yeah. So there's going to be Almost always, there's going to be two additional places. The three places you go with your workers, and then the two inter- there should be two intersecting points um, that you'll also be able to to do. And there's different uh, the cards. You know, the spots are either there's going to be goods or there's cards you can pay for. Different. You know, there's certain tribe cards that you get victory points or special abilities, and then you place. You know, you get you have a little. You know, place those cards down. You know, by you. That you have, so it, I, I liked that, you know, the, the different intersecting points as well on the on the board. It seems kind of it seems like a very interesting game for me. Yeah, I, I definitely. definitely wanna... Yeah, I'd like to. I almost picked this up a couple times. It was out of print for a while. I'm not sure if it's back in print now. I haven't looked into it, but um, the gameplay of it with how intersecting and the tension of where someone else is going to place and where you end up placing and all that stuff seemed really interesting. So I'd like yeah. to try this one out. Yeah, I think you should definitely pick this up, and I will play it. All right, go ahead. Yeah, I agree. When Ryan picks it up, I would love to try it. Mm -hmm. We're in agreement, Tim. 
We are Ryan again. Should get this. We'll play it with him. That was number one thirty-seven, Targi, and now we're on to one thirty-six, which is Le, is it Lagranja? Lagranja. Well, you're the pronunciation yeah, king. You're, you're the. This isn't, doesn't seem very German to me. <laughs> I, I don't so, really know that much German, but I think there's a number of ways you can say it: Lagranja or Lagranja. I think are two of the most accepted ways. <laughs> I'm gonna say Lagranja. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna go with by uh, Michael Keller and Andreas Odendahl. I think we've all played this, right? Yep. I've only played it once, but I did like it. I liked how the cards worked. Your little player board. What? <laughs> just, I was, it's just a horribly ugly game. Oh, well, yeah. It is very ugly. Yeah. But despite that, one of my favorite things about it is your personal player board and how you can tuck cards. I think if you tuck them in the top, you get resources. So the top is basically orders you're trying to complete the left side okay, is fields it. the bottom is special abilities and the mm-hmm. right side is income during the round yes yeah i really like four those choices yeah four for different every card. things and you got like oh, i want to use these two parts of like all right which one do i want to use as those orders i gotta fill well if i do that then i can't get the the pig that i need you know just that that choice as far as which of those cards to to use is very interesting choice, I think. Yeah, the and then the balance for the craft buildings, when you're completing those, do you want to do it early in the game and get the special ability or income throughout the game or complete it later to get a lot bigger chunk of victory points? And I like the market burrows. Or you're basically your uh, orders when you're completing those, how that works when a higher numbered one gets put out on the map and you can bump people off. I, I enjoy how that all that works. And it's one of those games where, you know, I mentioned the last time we just recently played this, Michael, and the start of it, you're like, how am I ever going to complete this <laughs> right. stuff? And then yeah. you, by the end of it, you're like, man, I wish I would have got more of those special deliveries and whatnot to deliver more things. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, it's always one of those when I'm done, like I should have done this just a little bit more to be more efficient with it and and get more things done and there's that the dice rolling is a little different whereas you roll five dice so you kind of go in order picking one the last one you both do yep so that's a little different yeah. there the, the card play is what really makes yep. the game for me yeah the dice part you know where you're doing this that's all fine in that but yeah the the card play is where it's at number 135 is zombicide black plague Played this one, uh, real similar to Zombicide, a little different theme where it's medieval yeah. and zombies and whatnot. Basically, this necromancer is raising the dead. And... Yeah, it's it's fine. I'm not really that big of a fan of Zombicide. I find the whole, you got to get this, dra- I think this one is what, Dragon's Bile or some, something to kill the big thing. That's oh, the like, big abomination. Yeah, it, it's okay. There's, there's other uh, cooperative games or games of this nature that I'd rather play first. I liked it quite a bit. You know, I like the Amira Thrash style games more than you, I feel. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I liked it better than the original Zombicide. Yeah, it's definitely a little better than the yeah. base one. I, this one, it had... Like, pegboard? Pl- yeah, the little pegboard, things. player board. You put your card in the middle, and then you have, like, for all of your stats and stuff, you have, like, little pegs and stuff, and that, that seemed pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, I like just kind of running around, getting, finding your weapon, and then just kind of hack and slash your way through zombies. And, yeah, it's not a perfect game. I don't always want to play it, and it's been a while since we've played it. But it's one that I, I do enjoy. 
Yeah, it's not one I'm really interested in playing. The gameplay seems kind of kind of blah and stuff, and, and I'm not you know as into the Mirror Trash type games anyways. But I, I you know some of them I enjoy in that, but this one just kind of seemed like the gameplay itself at least seemed kind of blah to me. But again, haven't played it, so yeah. and not really interested in. It. Oh, you're disagreeing with Tim here. I know it's tough. This is a tough yeah, moment right now. I have to cut the stitches. <laughs> no. Just one. Just one <laughs> stitch. See how it goes. Give somebody a little breathing room. <laughs> <laughs> so 134 is Tichu. It is a team-based trick-taking game, and that's kind of about it. It's very popular. I've heard good things about it. I would definitely like to try it. I did like... Uh, Fox in the Forest was not big on Gorus Maximus as far as trick-taking games. But it, seeing that it's a team game, it kind of seemed interesting. Yeah, I mean, most traditional trick-taking games are team games. They're mm-hmm. best played with teams. Uh, this is more of like the convoluted complex for a trick-taking game. Yeah, because there's, there's four special cards yeah. in it. I'm going to make it a little different. It's one where I think you have to... So someone leads with a three of a kind, everybody has to play a higher three of a kind. Basically, yeah, there's a couple special things, but typically that's how you how it goes. Yeah, if I was in an alley, <laughs> a guy came around from a dumpster and had a long trench coat on, and he asked me to play Tichu, I would probably say, "Get away from me." <laughs> <laughs> what and if I, Aaron had it in his trench coat? And Aaron's in a trench coat. That'd be the kind of guy I'd run from. <laughs> That's exactly the kind of guy you're talking about. Um, I would not really want to play this. Hmm. Yeah. Not not high on my list either. I would never seek it out, but I'm interested to try it sometime. Yeah. I'm not interested in trying it, but I guess if Aaron forces me to, I'll play it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't need to play it. It's, well, it's, um, let's go on to number 133, which is Goa by Rudiger Dorn. Another very dry looking game tim yes i know i've heard a lot of good things about this one yeah you start with um an auctioning um the first bit is the bid is for like first player and an extra action there's five different tracks in it ships spices coins you know the resources kind of things you can expanding on those tracks to get you more points and do more things you need certain goods to expand on them it looks really dry but it I'm pretty interested in this one. I definitely, definitely one I'd like to try. Yeah, I have looked into this vaguely before, and I've almost signed up to play it a couple times. The thing I am skeptical of is the auctions. That's always just something I'm going to be wary of in games, but this is one I think I would enjoy, and I look forward to Michael picking it up or reading the rules and teaching hmm. it to me and getting a play in. This is one I would huh. certainly like to try out. Um yeah, is one I'd like to try. I wouldn't, you know, just buy it without trying. I'd want to try it at like a yeah. convention or something, you know, or you know, just play with someone that has it because I think I might like it. But again, with that that being said, I'm not I'm not certain, but I, I definitely want to try it for sure. Yeah, when Michael gets it, I'll try it. But otherwise, I don't know a ton about. I don't know enough about the game to say whether I want to or not. I like you said, it's it looks boring. And then you just kind of shut off there and didn't look into it. No, I tried to last night and I just couldn't focus on it. And I just it's too boring. Yeah, it's, it's one of those Euro games from you know those 
10, 20 years ago, it just they just didn't look good. 2004. That's kind of a typical thing from them. They yep. They don't yeah. look fun. <laughs> Some of them still don't now, but they are improving in that right. sense. Um, number 132 is a game we've all played, especially me and Michael, many of times. Uh, that yes. is Splendor. Yeah, I've probably played it too much, but it's still a great intro game. I think this is better than Ticket to Ride to bring somebody into the hobby. Yes, maybe the theme, that doesn't work as well with that because there really isn't a theme here. Yeah. But there certainly is not. Gameplay is interesting, especially for somebody new. <laughs> yeah, so in the game, you're kind of drafting from a card tableau on the board. Um, you're building an engine because you're basically you have these cards that show different resources on it. You're able to buy those cards, and you're also spending chips to buy these cards. The more cards you get, the less chips you have to spend, and then it makes it easier to buy new cards and in turn get more victory points. Yeah, because each of the, the chips is a, a ruby of a specific color, and then when you buy the card, that card is like a permanent ruby of that color for buying things. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a great game to, I've, on several occasions, I've taught this to people who, who aren't, you know, gamers in that and almost everybody that plays it you, has fun enjoys and you played it. it like again and again with them you know, yeah and they want to play again they you know yeah. you play four or five games right in a row um because they want to keep playing it that's typically the response you get on this one so yeah real good for that yeah i think it's a decent game i'm not real big on it i don't hate it i don't hate myself after playing it but <laughs> i hate you after playing it but that goes with most games but yeah no so. it's it's a fine game I would, uh, like you guys said, it's it's great for you know bringing people into the hobby and kind of showing them a different style of game. Yeah, the those poker chips really make it yeah. fun for people. You yeah, know, clinking them around. Well, number one thirty one just came into station, and that is Age of Steam. And we kind of talked about it already when we talked about Steam. Do you guys know what the difference is between these two? Not yeah. really. It's um, me. it's a little bit heavier. Uh, I think the biggest thing is the, the auctioning, because this was the original one. The auctioning, it determines player order, and it determines choosing the powers. Whereas in Steam, it's more streamlined. Where that's one process. You pick the auction. You pick a power that also like says well this power is the fourth action here you're auctioning and that determines the player order and that player order chooses which powers so it's less streamlined it seems like it's more a little more convoluted to me i think i would enjoy steam more with the streamlined process for auctioning I'd, to based me. on what you're saying i would agree with you i would like to try steam out more yeah, so it's a, it's um, I think it's a little bit more punishing as well, um, because it's more possible to go bankrupt, I believe, in this game. A little more interaction and a little bit meaner with the blocking, I believe. I don't think it's a huge difference in between these games, but a little bit more of that. So, I think as far as the group as well, the group it would certainly enjoy Steam more than Age of Steam, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, you lost me at uh, interaction. And the art looks way more boring as well on this, even than Steam. Well, I think <laughs> this one just got a Kickstarter with, you know, tool artwork, so they did revamp that, okay. I believe, Age of Steam did. Yeah, but this was, um, yeah, this I guess, was looking at the, the original 
version, yeah. Yeah. which it's from 2002, so I'd yeah, kind of pro- probably why. But I th- I believe there are exactly one trillion expansion maps um, to yeah, this. Yeah, like there's like a moon yeah, expansion or something. There's all sorts there's, of different. Yeah, kind of every. Uh, Ooh, they put it in space. There you go, Tim. I'm still out. Oh, yeah, okay. there's every location that you can possibly think of. I believe they have a map for it in this game, whether it's an official one or, yeah, you know, user created ones. It, Michael, if you want to derail us into number one thirty here, yeah, let's chug along. On one thirty is Ticket to Ride Nordic Countries. So a lot of train games. Yeah, clumsy heavy, yeah. heavy yeah. trains here. Um, well, this is a 07 version, um, you know, kind of different map. I believe this one is only two or three players. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah okay. me and Tim have played it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it is your favorite map. It is. Uh, it's probably the second favorite that I've played. I like the Switzerland map the most, but I did enjoy the Nordic countries. Yeah, and honestly, the only reason why I like it more than the others is probably because... Norway's in it? Kind of, but just the art. I really like the art in it. I like the art on the cards because they give you different train cards instead of the little mini cards. They upgrade them to full size cards, and it's kind of like the snowy. Okay. And you get full size cards with the regular game too. You can, yeah, but um, yeah. So that's kind of why it's my favorite map. Not that it's obviously it plays the same yeah it's pretty much the same game just a slight variation it does have i think ferries and tunnels that you have to build through um and those if i remember right you're just kind of drawing cards off the top of the deck and if you played a matching color then you have to play another card or something i can't quite remember how that works do you remember michael uh no, okay. Not exactly. No. Yeah. If you're really into Ticket to Ride, you know, you want a little different map to look at, some different routes, also with a little bit of tweaked gameplay. It's something to yeah. To and look this at. was to me it was more interesting. You know, you know, being Nordic, I'm kind of into that, so that's probably you know part of the reason. But mm-hmm. I was more interested in playing this. I'd rather play this. I guess I'm gonna try one out than the original Regular. version. I yeah. haven't looked a lot into other ones though. So, yeah, they're all pretty much similar. Yeah, just yeah. different map kind of thing. All right, we're really sailing along here, Ryan. Yeah, uh, number 129 is Endeavor Age of Sail. And I think this got a new version pretty recently, or am I wrong on no, that? No, this is the new version. Endeavor we, was oh, on okay. the very 2009. Yeah, the, okay. Yeah, this one is kind of a medium lighter end of medium type game i think you're kind of moving up on these different tracks um it's like a nautical theme some questionable theme for some people but uh it's one i would like to try out i have looked into it a little bit um what do you guys feel about it yeah and this is um kind of a new version of of endeavor about 10 year old game mm-hmm. and we've talked um, about that one already yeah yeah, I'm you know somewhat interested in this one. The you're placing discs, drawing cards, discovering regions, um, and there's those four. Uh, uh, the tracks look interesting. You know, there's four different tracks you can move up on, and and you can build something. There's a a building that you get to build every round in the game. So I would definitely be interested in in playing. It's not the top of my list here, but it's I'd be willing to give it a go, Ryan, if you pick this up. Yeah, I probably won't be doing that, but... 
All right, fair enough. Not that interested. Yeah, it looks interesting. You know, the same thing when we talked about Endeavor when it was earlier on the list. But, um, yeah, it just it seems fine. It's not one that I'm looking into that much at, like, getting or trying. But um, I wouldn't say no. Yeah, it kind of seems like we're all, like, not super interested. Yeah, we're kind of like... Not interested enough that it'll ever get played, Yeah, maybe <laughs> Maybe it's one that Marv or Aaron picks up, you know. Maybe I could see Marv. Mar- I don't see this as a game Aaron would get. Yeah. No, but... But speaking of a game that Aaron picked up, let's get to 128. That is Sagrada. It is a kind of a prettier abstract game yeah we reviewed this in our first episode i think so if you want to listen to a bunch of idiots with some bad audio yes uh listen to that yeah check that out (laughs) actually i i don't know if i'd recommend our first episode no (laughs) but stick with the more recent ones (laughs) they just sound better and we're not as dumb well we we are we are but i have a question do you think the reason that is is because i wasn't on that episode. Is that no. why it sucked? No. I'm not, it was, I'm it was not bad say. despite me not being our, there. Because yeah. it was our first episode ever. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was not the greatest despite my lack of being there, I think. Is I think if you at. were there for that first episode, it would still not be that good. Probably worse is my guess. Yeah. So in Based this on game, past experience. <laughs> you're rolling some beautiful looking dice. Mm-hmm. Um, and putting them on your beautiful-looking player board. And it's kind of a puzzly game where you're, you can place dice in certain spots. You're trying to complete certain objectives or your personal scoring cards, things like that. It's a game that I find okay. Just not really that into it, but that is me. I know others in the group seem to enjoy this a lot more than I do and you do, Tim. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say I'm not one of them because I don't really care for the game. I just... I didn't like the placement of the dice, how that all worked, because towards the end of the game, it almost just seemed like you were way too limited on where you can place, and it just yeah, you got these unuseful tools that you have. Yeah, the typically. tools never worked for me, and yeah, I I enjoyed this game more than you guys did. I kind of I like the the puzzle of trying to get everything to work, and just the you know at the end there's there's only going to be a couple places that you can you can place in trying to give yourself the best you know buy play plays early in the game and maximizing your chances of being able to place as many of those dice as possible at the end i like that challenge i guess of doing that i also cuz there's two different ways there's either a snake draft or was the other way two different ways basically to draft those dice yeah the expansion and, i think came with a way and I think you guys you like the expansion that. way a little bit better, and I prefer yeah. it the snake draft more than than that. But, but yeah, I, I I enjoyed it more than you guys did, I'd say. Yep. So I don't think you guys are going to argue with me on that one. No, nope. not at all. <laughs> all right, we got number 127 is a game by Inca and Marcus Brand from 2011 called Village. Have you played this, Michael, or no? I have not. Okay. Yeah, Tim, you own this one. Yep. Um, I've played it a couple times. You've picked up 
both expansions now. Uh, yes, and I played I w- one of them. Would really like to play with them, try them out. The base game I really do enjoy, and it's always one that's kind of it's not quite there for game day, but it's close yep. for me. I would agree. It's it's a lot of fun. So basically, you are a family, and you're sending your workers out onto the main board and doing different actions. And different actions will take time. So on your personal board, you have basically a time track. So every time something takes time, you tick it up, you know, say if you're going to build a wagon, it's going to cost you three time. And every time your time marker crosses this bridge, your lowest numbered family member dies. They pass away. So depending on where they are, you can either put them in the town chronicle. So basically they're getting like fame and they're going to score you points depending on how many people you have in the town chronicle. Or if you don't time it right or if they die in a bad spot, they're going to go into an unmarked grave because just no one cared. They weren't the first ones to do it, you know, or however the theming works. But um, so what you're trying to do is you're trying to time out when you're going to kill certain family members or have them die off. So (laughs) it's kind of an interesting dynamic because all of your meeples are numbered. All your family members are numbered when you place them out. And there's just kind of a bunch of different things. So I have played the village inn. Okay. Is that with the, like the pub? Yes, it's the pub. So nice. You can send a family member to the pub, and basically they spend their life drinking and meeting different people, and those people can help you. There are different cards that you can like get. influence or something that you get from that? Um, some are influence. Like charisma? Um, or something like but that. But some of them are... It, all the different people you meet at this pub do different things for you. Okay. I don't remember them all. I've only played that one once, and then the other one was the village port. So it changes the traveling aspect of it and okay but uh it's a lot of fun i like it a lot i would recommend it for you michael yeah this was up there on my my list of games i definitely wanted i actually didn't know that you had this so oh, really definitely interested in, in giving this one a try hmm. for sure yeah it's a solid game and one i really do enjoy last one on the list here is number 126 uh that is vinhos deluxe edition by vital lacerda uh, this is a winemaking game. So this is basically there was the original Vinhos. This you can actually play the original game or the other side of the board. You can play with the new deluxe edition. This simple. I mean, it's still a heavy game, but it simplified it a little bit, made some things a little easier to understand and help with gameplay. Yeah. Um, I don't believe it is quite as tight or punishing of a game as the original one, but still. I'm sure it is, but I have not played it, so I am not sure. And I believe in this, it's one where you can still play the old version as yep, well. Yeah, double-sided that, yeah, board, so, so you yeah, can play the original game. Play with or without the auction. I think they might have adjusted the original game just a little bit, but for the most part, plays the same. And then there's basically a version without the the bank, I believe, is gone. Yeah, yeah. The new version. and then there's some slightly tweaked things here and there as well, yep. but... Yeah, there's different action spots. You're making different wines. You have sellers and workers, and the end of I don't know if it's each round or you know that after a certain point, a few actions. I believe there's a fair to present wines. You know, press judges, and sometimes you might you know give them some wine to get them drunk, kind of thing, so they could <laughs> get you more points than that. So 
Yeah, I think the uh, production quality on this is typical for Eagle, but this looks incredible. For me, I think the gameplay looks incredible as well. I would really like to try this one out. Yeah, and there's it's another game where there's a lot of things to do, but there's only six seasons, and I believe it's you get two actions per season, so that it's very limited as far as what things you can do, but like going to get a lot done in that you don't think you do, but you, you really and can. A, a lot of his games, you get bonus actions and stuff like that. Yeah, mul- like one action does multiple things, I believe, on this. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, it looks I'm super interested in, in playing this game. That's Yeah, I would agree. When Ryan picks it up. Well, I'm all in. Or when Michael I'm, picks it up. I'm hoping when I do the <laughs> Kanban Kickstarter, someone else in the group decides to snag this one up. I, I think I may, uh, I may be able to make my dreams come on that true. One. Make is, your dreams come. I can make your dreams come true, Tim. <laughs> You'll be my I genie. This is yeah. This is one I definitely, I'm pretty sure I would enjoy, and really excited to try out. Yeah, and since we're at the end of the list here, I'll just go ahead and say this is the number one game that I haven't played that I am interested in playing. This is easily. On this list, this yep. is easily that for me as well. Yeah, it wasn't even close. I had a few that were kind of honorable mentions. Targi, Goa, Village, but Vinos is absolutely on top by a good margin. Yeah, I had that as well. And then the other, the Seka Jahara. Sekigahara. Okay. That one, obviously I've been interested in that one. And then the two outsiders would be Nemesis and Zaya. One that... Two of them that I I want to try, but I really don't know if I'm going to like or not. So, yeah. Um, what games? Uh, what game on this list that you haven't played are you least interested in trying? Steam or Age of Steam? Uh, for me, it is definitely Tichu. Okay, mine Tichu is close, but I'm going to go with Zombicide Black Plague as my least. I've played 12 of these puppies. How about you guys? 10. I've only played five. Okay. I think those uh, Ticket to Rides kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go with my favorite here. I think I know both of your guys's, but mine is definitely Trickerion Legends of Illusion. If you had to guess, Ryan, which one's my favorite? <laughs> I'm going to guess Viticulture. It is. Yeah, you're right. That is also my favorite. Yep, it's, it's an excellent game. I think that wraps up this list of the top 250 games on board game geek it does all right everybody we have a giveaway going on that is for blackout hong kong uh, that is running until december 6th you can email us at dualwindgames at gmail.com we would like you to tell us what you think we can improve upon for the show um, also tell us your favorite part of the show so we want to basically know what our listeners do and don't enjoy and if we want to tweak some things around so they can basically tear us down and then they got to make us feel a little better yeah they got to make us feel a little bit better at the end so we're not just completely just clog up and just cancel the whole (laughs) podcast maybe that's the recommendation they have though they wouldn't be wrong (laughs) i don't know if i want to follow that recommendation especially if they go back and listen to that first episode like we told them (laughs) not to (laughs) we did warn you so we want to still make the show better. We do? Yeah, we do. 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to go with yeah. So hopefully you're inside the Continental US to enter for the chance to win. And if you're not, we would still like to hear your thoughts on the show. So email us, let us know, and that gives you a chance to win a copy of Blackout Hong Kong. And again, that contest ends on Friday, December 6th. Ryan, who uh, designed that game? Uh, Alexander Pfister. Wow, Sir Alexander. Nice. So dual winners, you already know, you can hit us up at dualwingames at gmail.com. You can join the Board Game Geek Guild. That is Guild 3471. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Dual Win Games. And we're going to see you guys in a couple weeks for another episode of Dual Win Games, a board game podcast. On next episode, we review Paladins of the West Kingdom, and we dive back into the Board Game Geek Top 250, number 125 to 101. Wait a minute, we're only reviewing one game? Already taking that feedback into consideration? Maybe. We're just going to give a really good review instead of two bad ones. We're going to give one good one. We'll yeah, try that. Yeah, that's a good review. Yeah, we'll do a good job. We're going to really do a good job yes so, so tune in yeah listen in listen in is it tune or i don't think it's download 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 in download yep. up yep plug in yep plug into the matrix all right well thanks for listening thank you see you folks We review Abomination, the Era Frankenstein, and Caverna, the Cave Farmer, and we get back. <laughs> Farmers, <laughs> it's more than one farmer. <laughs> Today on, t- <laughs> it's gonna be a long day. Isn't it? <laughs> that was number one thirty-seven. Tim, what do we got for number one thirty-six? I Tim did what was the one that well, said one. <laughs> <laughs>